In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Take a dose of every day But how am I supposed to stay In a world built on empty ways And the lessons of all the rage Greetings from the road. I am in Tennessee. I was not expecting to be in Tennessee this week when I threw this trip together. Now, if you... Listen to the previous podcast with Reba Brinkman. You know that she invited me down to the Western North Carolina Fly Fishing Expo. And the family and I decided to go, and then the family bailed. So now it's just me driving the car. I am passing, uh, I don't know. One thing I did find funny was as soon as you cross into Tennessee, there's the Bass Pro Shops. I thought that was awesome. And a fireworks stand coming up. I don't know where I am. Um, somewhere on 81, I believe. Got about an hour and a half left of the drive. It's been pretty uneventful so far. Started around 9 o'clock when I dropped the pixie off at school. I packed the car this morning. And the wife made me a couple bagel sandwiches. Got some Gatorade. It's Wegmans brand Gatorade. It's pretty good. 
and um, yeah, just straight straight out 66, 81 south, and then somewhere along 81, um, they were doing bridge construction. So the road was bumper to bumper for about I don't know 15, 20 minutes, and I really had to go to the bathroom. My Gatorade jugs just weren't empty enough, so I held it through traffic, knowing my my bladder was gonna splatter. And I finally get out of the traffic, it opens up. And one of the cool things is uh, about truck drivers, the sign said, uh, single road, you know, one mile ahead. And one truck driver just blocked the entire right lane so people couldn't take their time and then uh, all of a sudden at the last moment try to cut ahead. So I, I got pictures, it was pretty cool. This orange truck completely blocked the right lane about a quarter mile behind me and kept anybody from trying to merge over and be that guy. And I finally got out of the traffic jam, decided to pull over, fill up the tank, empty the bladder, and then I get back on 81 and there's no traffic so I'm going a little faster. And the car on the right hand side in front of me slammed on the brakes. I didn't know if there was something in the road or what, but there's a, a ridge in the median and I pass the ridge and there's two cops. As soon as I pass, the lights go on and I figure that's for me. So I pull out my wallet and uh, start pulling over to the right. And when I find out that he is chasing me down, I pulled over and, and did all the things. Uh, the ticket was for speeding. I was going 81 in a 70. Which I don't think is that bad. I normally don't drive that fast. At least my old car would wobble if you went over 80. So 78 is about my average in this car. So it's kind of weird that the moment that I happen to be speeding is also the moment that I am um, passing the policeman. So you could say I got thumbprinted today by the man in the hat. He walks up, you know, he's got to put his thumb on the car. If you've never seen that, pay attention when someone gets pulled over, they're going to thumbprint the car, kind of verify they were there, leave a little evidence. If he had found out about the four kilos of heroin and the bushel of African pygmy turtles in the back, I probably would have gotten into a little bit more trouble, but he just looked at my sleeping bags and, and the dill pickle chips on the seat and said, any reason why you're speeding? And I was like, oh, I'm just trying to get to uh, North Carolina. I'm on a road trip. He was very cordial. My second uh, speeding ticket ever since 93. So it's a pretty good record. The last time I was pulled over was about two years ago going to get um, my hand worked on. So I injured that somehow, boating. I was on my way to the doctor's office. Got pulled over by a statey. And, and he was just not, not a cool, nice dude. You know, I just realized since I'm in Tennessee, I wonder if there's gonna be any like whiskey, whiskey stores around here. I'm gonna have to look out for that, the side of the road. So I'm on my way down to Asheville. Um, I got 97 miles to go till I get there. So I can talk for 97 minutes, but I'll keep this short. I honestly don't know what to expect. This is one of the longer road trips I've done just for a podcast. There's one fly rod in the car, a TFO, 
11 foot six weight switch rod, but I got no reel. Don't really plan on fishing, even though I've passed the Shenandoah, and Mossy Creek, and a bunch of other fishy places. And I'm sure I'm going to pass more. The rivers are definitely blown out. We got a couple inches of rain the last couple of days up here. And it's nice to have the sun, so I don't have the rickets. I don't want to get rickets. This show, the Western North Carolina Fly Fishing Expo, has, I don't know, about 90 booths. So I have no other thing to do besides go from booth to booth and just talk to people. If you're in Texas or North Carolina or Scotland or Johannesburg and you want to know what the Western North Carolina Fly Expo is like, maybe you want to come next year, you'll listen to the podcast and decide if it's something you want to do. I decided this year, I never heard of it till last year, and I decided to uh, come down here. I'm going to miss Hanukkah at the parents, so I'm going to need some makeup latkes. I do like me a latke with some uh, some sour cream and some, some sea salt on it. It's good. It's the way I do my latkes. Spoken with a couple of people that are going to be at the show, so they know to expect a podcast. Want to catch up with Trad Little. He was not on the podcast a couple years ago at the Western North Carolina show. But I think he's older now, and I think his dad is going to be um, agreeable to have him on. He will be at the Flyman Fishing Booth. You should be following him on Instagram, Trads Flies, T-R-A-D-D-S, one or two Ds, I can't remember. But the kid's amazing. I hope to buy some tie materials that I can't find anywhere else, see what they have. And I need to stock up on some ultra suede tails from Will Hersniak. Even though he lives down the street, or he used to live down the street, figure I'll see him in person and, and buy them down here. That way I don't have to pay for shipping. So who knows what this trip will entail? Um, Probably gonna dirt bag it in the car for the next couple of nights just because I'm already in the red now with the parking, not a parking, speeding ticket. I don't even know how much it's for, but I can see that the service fee is $15, which is much nicer than the time that Stady pulled me over. That was a $90 service charge or convenience. There's nothing convenient about that. I run an online store, I know that you only lose like a couple of dollars per hundred, like 3% of a sale. So for a, a $50 ticket, whatever it was, to have a $96 convenience charge is total, total uh, doo-doo. So I'm gonna put this down and uh, go back to some more podcast listening, probably open the sunroof, get some cold mountain air. I'm still confused as to why I'm in Tennessee. I thought 81 dumped straight into North Carolina. I've only done this drive once. We went camping in the Smokies in college, and we went from Tennessee to North Carolina to Virginia. At least I thought we did. It was with BT. Um, he was an interesting guy. I bumped into him at a bar with my wife years ago, and he had married some woman that didn't speak any English. We randomly bumped into him at a bar, I think in Arlington, Virginia, where we were living. And he hadn't changed, he looked the same. This is the guy that went backpacking, and in his frame pack, he had a box of Boca burgers. He had a loaf of King's Hawaiian bread, and he had a paperback book and some clothes in a frame pack. And I'm carrying tents, water, stoves. I made him carry that all out on the way back. 
needless to say. But he did drive, and we did Smoky Mountain National Park to Fredericksburg, Virginia in one day, which was pretty cool. Alright, I got 3.8 miles. Let's hope that puts me into North Carolina. Maybe while I'm down here, I could get the derivation of the term North Kakalaki. And while I'm down here, I want to get a, a good southern breakfast. Reba suggest Oh, the Holston River. Oh, that's some pretty looking water. It's like greeny turquoise with high cliffs. Wow. So I'm assuming there's another one, which is the South Holston. That's a dam. That was pretty cool. I told you I was going to go over fishy water. Reba suggested I go to, to the Moose Cafe, which is uh, a breakfast joint. So I want grits, I want two eggs, some bacon, and some gravy for sausages, and uh, club soda for breakfast tomorrow. So that is my plan. I'll catch up with y'all later. 2.7 miles to go, with 91 left in the journey. Check in with y'all later. Greetings from Shay Walton. It's uh, it's a bed and breakfast that has uh, a hair salon and an eye center and sporting goods and men's and women's gear and you can sleep in the parking lot. It's free. So that's where I am tonight in my trusty car. I've got the bedding laid out, ground pad, sleeping bag down comforter and then I'm going to put over top of me my zero degree down bag. It's going to be a quite comfy sleep. I have my buff on and uh, my Hellraiser hoodie by Cast Gear and I, I'm going to get a good night's sleep. I'm going to go to bed in about 30 minutes around 8 o'clock as soon as my phone is done charging. <sighs> Where can I begin? So I uh, wanted to bring this question up earlier. How exactly do cats get onto the median of a road like Interstate 81? All the years I've been going to Mossy Creek, up and down 81, and including today, there are cats. How do these things get there? Are the police throwing them out of their cars when they're, they're pulled into these speed traps? Are they crossing the road like Frogger at night when no one's looking? I'm, I'm very confused. So I got in here around 4.30 and went to the venue and just drove past it just to explore, past the airport. And lo and behold, I see a sign for the Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Remember, it's not Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada. The people from Nevada will always correct you on that one. And I walked in and there was a group of three behind me. And I got up to the front and said, hey, uh, what's, what's up with your tours? And she said, well, our last tour is at 5 o'clock. We have three remaining slots. And I turned around and said, well, that's a group of three. Give it to them. And then I went and sat down on their big leather sofas and checked some emails and texts and hung out for a little bit and said, hey, uh, front desk lady, do you mind if I just sit here for a couple minutes and just check my phone? She's like, why don't you hang out till 5 and I'll see if I can get you on the tour. I was like, okay. She took down my name and I hung out for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And this guy, Nathan, came by and, and gave the tour. And while he's getting ready, somehow they had room for me. Uh, while Nathan was talking, 
this young lady was pouring uh, glasses of beer for everybody. So we had fresh Sierra Nevada pale ale to drink right off of a kegerator, which makes me sad because my kegerator died. I'm going to probably just put it on Craigslist. I'm sure somebody out there can fix it, but we've had three to four friends and and engineer buddies look at it, and and nobody can figure out what's wrong. Is it the thermostat? Is it Freon? Or did it just die? So, yeah, we're done with the kegerator at home. We start getting the, uh, the tour in the background of Sierra Nevada, and I've always liked their beer. But through this tour, I've got a new appreciation for how they started, their environmental sustainability, um, four ingredients only go into the beer, hops, barley, yeast, and water. And this place was beautiful. It reminded me of being at lodges in the Tetons as a kid. All hardwood, brass, big windows, all decorated out for Christmas. We started the tour going around and... It was awesome. We got to see the whole process uh, of the building and how there's a warm side and a cold side and how they brew and the facility. We saw the whole process basically from start to finish. And then we finished with uh, sampled eight different beers. And there's some really good beers now that I'm going to get from them. I'd have to look at my pocket list when we did the flight, but it was, it was really good. I was very impressed. Now, the building itself was built on a forest, and they harvested all the trees that were cut down were turned into the building. So the walls, the staircases, the benches, the bars, all of it was repurposed into the building. Somebody asked about all the copper if people come up to steal it, and they said, well, look, we're, we're out here on like, I don't know how many acres with bears and crazy turkeys. Who's going to come up here into this forest at night to mess with us? let alone the places operating 24 hours a day. And then he brought up that somebody had stolen the sign, the brand new wooden sign they put out front. He said within 24 hours, somebody stole it. And the guy's roommate turned him in because the guy's roommate was pissed. He's like, this place is coming in here, making jobs, making fresh beer. And you go and steal their sign. And apparently when the cops went to the, the apartment, it was hanging up on the wall. They've got a big new sign now. So that was an hour and a half of uh, just fun, hanging out. Got the whole beer story. And then I went over to Walmart and, and got some stuff. And I am now just chilling in the car, waiting for my phone to charge. The car is definitely cooling off. It's, pr- it's pretty cold up here. It's, uh, I'm going to say 38 right now. Uh, very windy. We had a cold front blowing after the three days of solid rain. And that cold front has moved through here with the winds. And I'm going to bundle myself up. I'm going to wear the buff as a face mask. I guess buff now is, is not, it's like Kleenex. You just call face masks that. Like all tissues are Kleenex. All bandages are Band-Aids. I'm going to put on my wool hat and I'm going to cover my face up. I'm going to cover myself and I'm going to try and get about 10 solid hours of sleep. We'll check in in the morning. I'm going to go hit Ronald's place, get an egg and cheese biscuit, a hash brown, because that breakfast joint's like 15 miles away, so that's 30 minutes round trip. Maybe I'll save that for Saturday. And I also need a place around here to buy beer to take home for the wife. If I don't come back with some craft beer from, 
from this town, I'll be in trouble. So tomorrow's going to be big fly fishing expo day. Stay tuned. We're going to have loads of fun. Yeah. All right, we are with Sam Looper, finally getting a chance to talk. You want to introduce yourself and, and where you're out of? Sure. Um, hello, Sam Looper. Um, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I'm here with Steely Brothers Fly Company. Uh, I also have my own Looper Flies that, uh, that I'm here mostly with. And it smells, uh, it's a mix of barbecue and like adhesive glues here. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a crucial uh, mixture that really just makes the fly tying experience as a whole uh, more enjoyable. Um, Got to be careful if you do it, the uh, headaches are, are tough. Well ventilated area. It's the barbecue sauce that'll get to you. Right, right. That's, yep. So the fly you're tying now, or you're working on it, I know it just from going over Pat Cohen's website. You want to talk about this uh, bobblehead looking thing? Sure, sure. So, um, a couple years ago, uh, Lane Chocolate released his T-bone fly, and I started tying that for muskie um, in my, for my local waters. And as I started thinking through, I was like, I really would like to start scaling this thing down. And I, I tie it with, with some different materials than what Blaine uses, but it's still the same concept and methods. And uh, when I started shrinking it down, uh, it all just kind of came together for this this small minnow pattern. Um, segmented body uh, but I also had a goal of trying to imitate things from my childhood I, I grew up fishing uh, rapalas um, small articulated crayfish or bait fish just really tiny uh, bait uh, we used Zebco 33's little micros um, and a 6 foot rod and waded in these creeks in southwest Virginia um, and I kind of wanted to do that again. And, and really, I mean, it was almost an accident this came together. Um, the, the body section of the fly is literally step one of building the head of Blaine Chocolate's T-bone. Step two of the head is the full head of, of his T-bone, but it's just on a small side. So Blaine, Blaine has a lot to do with this fly. Uh, I, I consider him very responsible for this one. I even told him last time I saw him, this, you're, this is your fault. Um, but it's it's allowed me to get into this industry and uh, kind of make a name for myself with this fly. Uh, it's caught everything from redfish in the saltwater, um, largemouth, smallmouth bass, uh, white bass, hybrids, stripers, um, trout, both brown and rainbow. I've caught a hognose sucker with this. Um, it, it's it's all different colors. I think I've got 13 total colors uh, available. Uh, but it's just it's one of the most versatile flewers, and I'll readily admit that it's a flewer. It's not a true fly of by most people's standards. However, I mean it's got feathers, it's got materials to make a body, and I'm imitating life. It's only got four or five materials in it, maybe. Uh, right, at the most, I'm gonna say. We're going to count thread as a material, uh, so so probably five at the most. Um, you know, feathers, flash, body material, and eyes. Uh, and I, I use I use uh, eye stub for the gills. Um, but that but that head that head is uh, is fully articulated, almost uh, 180 degree motion. You know, left, right, up, and down. Pretty much half a circle we can go. Um, and and you'll find that it's it's absolutely effective for whatever you chase, whatever water you're going for. 
Um, if you're going to fish an imitation of a bait fish, we can almost always match the color they're looking for that, or that, that angler is trying to achieve. I imagine it lands pretty softly. Uh, it does. It does. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't float. It is. It is somewhat neutrally buoyant. The body being hollow allows for that to capture some air and some water. It's fully synthetic, so it's not going to hold the water. Uh, any, any sort of casting, it's not going to be heavy. Uh, but it, and when it lands, it'll land just as soft as as it were uh, dry. Um, you know, it, it doesn't retain the water at all, but it slowly absorbs it, and it will sink. Um, I like to fish it on a floating line in small creeks. Uh, Smallmouth just inhale it, but, you know, count it down, give it a few seconds to drop down, and twitch, twitch, and bam. <laughs> um, I also, I also fish this thing on a sinking line. I fish it under current for trout. Um, just hold that thing in the current. It's probably just going to do yes. everything for you. It, it, it I've uh, one of the coolest eats I've ever seen. I didn't land the fish, but uh, I was in the back of my buddy's boat. And I literally was with a prototype. Uh, a couple years ago. I was like, man, look at this thing move. Look at that. Whoa! And then this brown trout came out of the bottom, straight up, hit it, and I just, I was goofing around, you know. I wasn't fishing. I wasn't focused. I was just trying to make it do something. And it was enough right next to the boat that it made a fish ignore the boat, which was huge. This is a supreme 20-foot-long skiff. So he just didn't care. I'm going to eat that. That was, that was, that was like... Hello, this thing works. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got some crazy contraption on this vice here. So what vice brand do you prefer? Yeah, this is, these are Peak vices. Um, I, uh, I tie only with Peak. Uh, I've got their cam vice. This is their large iron retention system. This is the smallest size they make, and it's based on the same platform as their cam vice. Um, they've also got the... That's size 2. <laughs> they have one bigger than that. Uh, it's based on the same platform. The jaws are just larger, but it's the same size itself. It's mostly main, made strictly for hooks. There's no shanks or anything you can put in it, so um, uh, it's, it really holds on to the hook. And, and I have injured myself time and time again uh, when I when I was tying on other other vices. You know, either dropping, the, having the hook pull down uh, as I was trying to tighten some thread down on there packing hair, stabbing myself because the, the hook moved. But these things, they will lock down. I've got a, a four-aught hook over there, and that's a five-pound base, and I can pick that entire vice up by the eye of the hook. I'll do it. He's moved the whole vice just with the eye of the hook. There you go. And the hook doesn't move. That's the whole point. The hook doesn't slip. And speaking of big hooks, you've got some rather large musky flies here. I do. So you have some large bucktails that you tie your musky flies with. I, I do, I do. I get them locally. Uh, I've got a good source for them. And uh, uh, there's nothing more important in a large profile fly to have material that will, will do that for you. Um, you know, some of these shorter bucktails that you can get, they just, they just won't won't cut it for you. You really should find a select select source for your tail if you're going to try to do some large musky flies. Otherwise you end up with just a bulky, uh, um, it, you end up using too much to try to, to achieve that bulk. Without that length of fiber, uh, let's say you're trying to, trying to get something that looks like a, a, a small sucker, you know, a six inch, eight inch sucker. Because uh, we're trying to imitate forage, we're trying to imitate food. Um, 
you can't achieve that four inch shape, that football shape, with materials that are an inch and a half long. You really need something that's going to fold over and breathe on itself. Um, but you also need to be able to tie it sparse enough. That it's not a, a workout. It, the, you know, everyone everyone talks about you know, uh, oh, muskies are ten thousand cats. Well, it's true. <laughs> you know, some people go years between fish. Um, the these flies throwing them every day, you'll blow your shoulder out. You'll hurt yourself. You got to have something that's going to be light. It's going to maintain that shape, and you can't do that with small stuff. You can't. You've got to have quality uh, long flies, long fibers. It's the same thing. All right. Anything else we want to talk about? Maybe the uh, top and bottom crease fly? Never seen that before. <laughs> well, the top and bottom crease fly is something that. Um, is that what it's called? It is now, I guess. <laughs> um, I've been tying crease flies for a while, um, and I wanted to try and, you know, do something a little bit different, and I ended up getting some really cool stinger hooks from Daiichi, um, so I was trying to make a fly that was geared towards large mouth, small mouth, something that's going to float really well, it's going to give you flash, it's going to give you movement, and it's just going to catch fish. Um, came up with it the other day. Oh, that's a new thing. That's a new thing. That's something that, uh, that's what happens when you have orders to do and you decide to procrastinate and make stuff up instead. So um, that's something I came up with the other day. And uh, I, I put doll eyes on it, actually, and some people think they're kind of wonky looking, but um, when you put them on foam, they actually have a very distinct rattle noise to them. A lot, you know, a lot of people are using... Um, the uh, flyman eyes, certain kind of eyes, but I, I mean, I love flyman eyes, they're beautiful, but if you use those doll eyes on foam for, um, you know, any of your poppers or anything like that, any wiggle minnows, that shake of the pupil within the doll eye actually gives a really nice rattle. So, that is something that I figured out the other day. So, yeah. So, these flies, where can we find these all online, and uh, where do we see them posted on Facebook? 21st Century? Flies, right? Isn't that where they're usually posting on? Um, man, I, I, I'm guilty of spamming. There's no question. <laughs> yes, can we get that out of the way? Can we apologize for spamming Facebook? Yeah, um, it, let's be honest, guys. I mean, that's if, what it's for if now. If I hadn't got there, if I have, if I had not spammed, as they say, in guerrilla marketing, um, this is a small pie of the outdoor world. That, and and as, as a commercial tire, there is a a smaller slice to be had. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially when you're competing with overseas tires, um, a lot of shops are getting their you know their flies from overseas, and it's hard for us local tires to compete with that. Um, and that's the one thing we really want to tell people is all our inventory that you see, all our flies that you see on our site, is me and him sitting at a vice. Wrapping feathers and fur around a hook. I mean, there's no, there's no people over in Africa getting paid pennies. It's us demented fools. Yeah, in our in our free time, <laughs> if what little we have, uh, you know, and, and not not as a sob story. It's this is a passion we have that we want to share. We want to make sure other anglers that are getting into this have an access or a place to 
to access quality American tied flies. Um, and, and that's hard to find. Especially flies that are made to fish certain bodies of water that someone in Sri Lanka has no idea what you're fishing. They're just mm-hmm. cranking out flies. You know, I, I saw Ke- a Kelly Gallup uh, sex dungeon in a fly shop the other day. It looked nothing like a Kelly Gallup sex dungeon. I'd never seen anything. I was, this isn't, it's, it wasn't it. It wasn't to the specs. You know, it, the, it looked, the, Kelly's fly looks like he's wearing a helmet. That, mm-hmm. that head looks like he's wearing a helmet. The, the head on this thing looked like a bullet. Or it was just trimmed so wrong. And I'm sure the guy didn't know. He just trimmed your hair. Got it. Right. You know, move on. Next. Give me another 200. Um, bulk is great, but uh, we're about quality over quantity. Um, and, and you get what you pay for there. But back to the spamming. Apologies, many apologies. I mean, you could be posting cat videos. So. Yeah, right. Or making my own memes with Yoda or something. Yeah. There are a lot of people online that have just too much damn time. Yeah. Yep. And, and you know, it, it's funny too. Online's a great place to, uh, to be positive and show some good stuff and, and really try to make people happy. Uh, it's it's oftentimes a place of of, other, of not that you know. Uh, there's a there's a lot of whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's no, all good. All right, so you're on Facebook, on Instagram, anywhere else? You're going to be now on iTunes. <laughs> right. Yep. Steely Brothers. Steely MTV. Bros. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, no, since next episode of Cribs is, is Steely Brothers. <laughs> they should have dens for fly tying yeah. dens. Oh. That could be a YouTube vlog, absolutely. Like, that would be... need to make that happen, for sure. Man. Light bulb. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Well, since I've been here, you haven't sold any flies, so I'm going to get out of your yeah, no space. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming All right. by. I'm going to smell like delicious... Epoxy, uh, baby. Give me some epoxy. and barbecue. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. So we are at Roadmap to Restoration, our Brook Trout Heritage. We have Jake, and uh, this time it's recording. Yes, uh, Jake Rash with the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission, and uh, we're we're here uh, talking to folks about the trout resources in, in North Carolina. And as the the state resource management agency, we're responsible for the the management of those fisheries. And, and uh, as you just noted, one of the things we spend a lot of time with is working with our native brook trout, which is the only trout native to North Carolina. So considerable time and effort looking for and, and trying to conserve those those fish. The map here shows, is that would be their native range or well, current that, range? So that, that map shows our uh, our program, our, our public mountain trout waters program. And uh, in that, uh, we manage uh, a little over uh, 5,500 miles of water and over 2,000 acres of, uh, of water and impoundments. And where we manage everything from stock trout to, to wild trout resources. So we're just sort of showing folks what's out there and how they can find out more information, and, and that's by going to ncwildlife.org backslash fishing backslash trout, and that'll get you all kinds of information about what we do and what's available in North Carolina. One thing I don't hear about as much as I used to is acid rain. Is still a problem? Yeah, the acid deposition is, is something that um, has been been a been a topic of interest and uh, certainly um, in areas uh, in the uh, Great Smokies Ma- Mountain National Park they 
uh, been dealing with that uh, through the years in, in regards to their brook trout populations. If there's one thing you want people to know about your brook trout, the heritage of and the background, the show out there, what would you want them to know about North Carolina brookies? Well, uh, fortunately, we have a lot. Uh, in terms of the southeast, we've got a, a really large number, um, but, but they're not all uh, protected. There's a lot of, a lot of threats uh, to our brook trout populations, and, and so uh, just to know that, that those animals are out there and they're, they're special because they, they mean a lot to a lot of people, both you know, socially and, uh, and biologically, being our only native trout, uh, they really are a special resource that, that we all care a lot about. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Okay. We've got Danny with us, and we got some Fly Real Dots, flyreeldots.com. How do I get to uh, ending losing lost tippet here? Uh, the, the idea behind a fly dot is all of us, uh, at some point or other, when we uh, finish the end of the day and we wind our line back up on a reel, the uh, tippet gets mixed up down in the fly line. Mm-hmm. Next day when you're going fishing, the fish are down there jumping and you can't find the end of your tippet in order to tie your fly on. What a uh, fly reel dot does is it comes with Velcro, two to a pack, and uh, comes with a dot. And they have either a, a design on them, a, a fly or, or something else, or some with weight on them or what you can put, the, what line weight and everything you have on your reel. And uh, the Velcro uh, sticks on your reel itself in some place appropriate. And then there's a, a comparable Velcro on the dot itself. You just put the tippet across the Velcro and put the dot on it, and it holds your tippet. Next day when you go fishing, there's the end of your tippet, and you're not waiting, find, trying to find it while the fish are jumping down the stream. Now, if I'm moving from spot to spot on the river, can I stick a little fly in that Velcro? Uh, no, no it really, really doesn't hold that. Now, we have other things that we sell that you can put your flies in. But, uh, but it, it's really for your tippet and to, uh, to control that, that uh, uh, tippet when you finish up and wrap up at the end of the day so that it doesn't get tangled up down in your, uh, your fly reel. We've all had it get down in there, and we've had to take the reel clean oh, yeah. apart to get it uh, to find the tippet. That's the idea behind tippet uh, or behind the fly reel dot. We also do a um, case dot. If you have several reel cases in a, in a reel case carrier, then you can put the line weight, the type of uh, whether it's double taper or weight forward, uh, uh, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So you put information on it, and that way, uh, when you're fishing, you uh, don't have to look through all your reel cases to find the reel that you want. You just look at your little tags on mm-hmm. the case dot, and it'll tell you what uh, uh, what reel you need for the day. All right. Where's Gray, Tennessee? Gray is just over the mountain from here in Asheville. It's about halfway between Johnson City and Kingsport in northeast Tennessee. All right. I came through Tennessee unexpectedly on my drive down here. Unexpected. I didn't know I was going to pass. What is going on there? We're going to blame Reba for that audio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I, I did not you know. You came I was down 81. I did. And, and came into uh, Tennessee. You went uh, actually right by where I live and through Johnson City and then on across the hill to Asheville okay. on, on I-26. Yeah. So we're just uh, about an hour and a half from here. Right. Well, uh, thanks so much. And... Um, flyreeldots.com exactly and uh, just uh, look us up online at www.flyreeldots.com alright thank you so much glad you could make it uh, down from D.C. get out of there for a while so uh, we're going to get to the clutch guys now we we couldn't get to you at iCast you're too busy so it's probably been I don't know that's Mike Schmidt making sounds Uh, it's been a couple years since we talked you guys were I guess just getting off the ground yeah two years ago yeah so what's, what's new 
besides getting all the Great Lakes guys scooped up? Everything is new, and it's almost, you don't know where to start. Um, new rod lines, um, new dealers, new areas, new, I guess, countries, really. Um, we've got our saltwater our saltwater rods we came out with uh, last year at ICAST, which are continuing to do very, very well. Um, two new one-piece models. Uh, we're making uh, musky-specific lines um, in 250s and in 450s. In one-piece, there's called the Tannic. Uh, we make a one-piece um, eight-foot-one streamer rod for boat fishing. Uh, that has just been killing it. Uh, they're designed to throw 250-grain sink lines um, with meat patterns on the end, so to speak. Uh, and then we make one for 350 uh, grain lines, and those are absolutely just killing it. It's, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, we've got a new trout line coming out. Uh, it's actually released. Uh, fluence, four, five, and six weights, and four-piecers. Um, and one of the brand-new things we're doing we're really excited about is a lot of our clients and dealers wanted a mid-price rod. So coming down from the 795s and 810s, we actually designed and uh, answered their, their questions. We've got a rod coming out called the Core. It's actually being released right now, uh, and the price point is um, 450 bucks. Very so, reasonable. Yeah, so we're pretty excited about that. I was against it in the beginning when we first uh, started this uh, this crazy thing, and uh, when the dealers came to me and, and said there's really a need for a rod in the 400 to 500 range, um, they kind of browbeat me enough to where we met their needs so and this, this giant one over here that's a one-piece rod all in yeah. a giant sock yep that's a, a tannic one-piece uh musky stick and a 350 uh, eight foot ten and um we did some pretty cool things this year with the cork uh cork being a natural material just throwing large flies large uh you know large sinking lines a lot of pressure is being put on the front uh thumb area of uh, the cork grips so you know we can't dictate or control a natural material so you know what you'll see on really any rod is potential for crushing so what we did is we went and had a two and a half inch composite uh, section put in all the musky rods uh, streamer rods and all of our saltwater sticks uh, from nine weight and above so that's that's kind of a cool thing that's that's new within the past probably two months three months so just you know looking at this thing um, objectively and answering you know the requests and the wants of our clients you know someone will come to us with a need uh, or an issue that they see in, in, in current you know rod lines and we try to answer them and, and you know design product to meet those needs best possible that's kind of cool for being being a smaller company so you got senyo designing some kind of crazy great lake swinging machine we don't know what senyo does here we haven't figured it out <laughs> yet <laughs> uh no actually senyo is um he's gonna he's gonna yell at me if i release any kind of information but we're we are working on a a top secret um great lakes long rod so to speak Fun. yeah and there's there's someone else's name that can be thrown in there too but i will definitely be uh punished if i if i mention that name well, so maybe we'll catch up with that that'll be like the breaking news at somerset absolutely yeah so the prototypes should be done in those probably around you know, you know mid mid spring um and we've also got some uh, some other sneaky things in we're working for uh with george daniel as nice. well yeah so we've got some 10 footers uh euro nymphing 
sticks. We're working with very George, cool. and those will be done probably in the spring as well. So a lot of things going on, man. Yeah, very cool. Where can we find you all on social media and online? We are on Facebook at Clutch Fly Rods, obviously. Um, we've got a brand new website that just released, which is fantastic. We're very excited about it. It's www.clutchflyrods.com. So fantastic! And you got a front row seat here. Front row seat to all our guys doing uh, doing presentations. Um, and for anyone that's going to check out the website, we're uh, we're doing a pretty cool giveaway this year for Christmas. We're doing the Clutch 13 Days of Christmas, and we're giving away stuff for 13 days, and, uh, and then a, finally a rod on Christmas Day. So. All right. Well, we're going to get this up online as soon as possible then. Absolutely. Thank you. Right on. Or do you want to set aside time? All right. So you've heard Reba talk about Crooked Creek Holler, and we saw your giant banner at Somerset. Um, you want to introduce yourself and tell us what yeah. you do? I'm Danny Reed, and I own Crooked Creek Holler in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, I started this company about, a, I don't know, I said about 18 months ago, and just uh, kind of just getting everything going, trying to see where it's going to lead me, um, doing mostly apparel. Uh, and a bunch of artwork and trying to maybe move into some gear in the next few years and some some other type of clothing. Do you have a particular um, medium that you prefer to work with uh, that, before you transfer to, to logo, like hats? Uh, I mostly do uh, pen and ink or I do uh, a lot of stuff with ink and a brush and um, when it comes to painting I do a lot of liquid acrylic. Did Reba say you were a tattoo artist before? I still am. I, I, tattoo, I tattoo full time. Does anybody get inked here? Um, I don't tattoo at this expo, okay. um, but I, I own a tattoo shop in Asheville, North Carolina okay. called Hot Stuff Tattoo, right. and uh, I've been tattooing for over 14 years. So steady hands. Yeah, definitely. All right. Do you tie flies as well? Uh, not that often, okay. but when I find the time, I do. Right. Um, between this and tattooing full-time, owning a tattoo shop, having a kid, and trying to get out in the woods, it's... Uh, Tide flies is, is, is not a priority. Do you have a, a preference for species? I know a lot of angry looking browns. Yeah, I mean, I love brown trout. I love bass fishing. I'm really into smallmouth fishing. Um, I just recently caught my first redfish on a fly rod, which is really fun. Uh, just went out and tried musky fishing. Haven't caught one yet. But uh, definitely just, um, I mean, I, I love catching anything. I'm, I'm not opposed to trying to catch any type of fish. But I would say what I chase the most is uh, trout and uh, smallmouth. All locally around here, or do you have to go? Um, I, I bounce around. I'll, I'll go up to Kentucky. I'll go to East Tennessee. Um, you know, I, I'll go down to Charleston. It just depends. I'll, I'll go wherever the fishing will take me, or you know, any 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 kind of good hunting fishing. I'm always down for a good trip. Okay. And what are some of the the merchandise soft goods you have today? Uh, I got. I brought a bunch of my hats that we, um, I have done here in town. Um, a, a bunch of beanies. We got some Vitavu bags that uh, my buddy Scott Hunter from Vitavu made for me. Um, and a bunch of original artwork and prints that I'm selling as well. And then, then a handful of t-shirts of my designs. Nice. I like the skull print there, but if I put that up in my office, my daughter will get freaked out. <laughs> yeah, I did, pretty that, aggressive I did that one last year. And oh, I just noticed the trout. Yeah, it's, it's, fish on the, it's a fish on the brain. That's pretty sweet. Very cool. So other than Instagram, where can we find you? Uh, other than Instagram? Yeah, that's where I follow you. Uh, yeah, and that, that's the best place to follow me. I would say that's where I, I try and update that at least once a day, every other day. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, I also have a blog, which is just crookedcreekholler.com. Um, you can find me at my tattoo shop in person, Hot Stuff Tattoo in Asheville. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm around somewhere. But yeah, I'd say Instagram's always the best place to see what's new and what's happening. And is there a Crooked Creek? There is a Crooked Creek, okay. and that's where I live. All right. I live in Old Fort, North Carolina, and I live in the area of Crooked Creek. Is there an actual woman that was the French broad was named after? 
Is there like a French woman back in the day? I wish there was, but I don't believe so. <laughs> <laughs> Some loose woman. All right, well, very cool. This is, uh, yeah, so when Reba was telling me about you like a year plus ago, you were just kind of moving into all this, so. Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've always been into hunting and fishing. Started getting more into fly fishing. Um, and it always kind of, it, this idea started more as a hunting company. Um, I kind of felt like a lot of the stuff out there in the hunting world wasn't that cool and nothing I would really wear. And I started thinking I'd apply my tattoo art to mm -hmm. like hunting concepts. And then I really just started focusing more on applying it to um, fly fishing instead. I still do a little bit of hunting stuff, but the fly fishing stuff is what's taken off and I seem to get the best response from. Yeah. And so, you know, I've, I've really just kind of been following that path of what people seem to be into. Very cool. All right, well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, nice to meet you. So just state name company. And we got Bobby here, and I'm gonna let you introduce your fly shop name because I want to call it Tuskegee, but it's not. A lot of people get that confused with the airmen. It's actually Tuckasegee, and that's a river. That is a river system. Okay. Where y'all located? We are in Bryson City, North Carolina. Bryson. No, I don't. So if uh, I was gonna throw a, a dart on the map, pretty much. If you go about an hour west of Asheville, okay, right by the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. All right. So it's a uh, it's a good fishery, man. Swain County has about 2,100 miles of trout water. So between the National Park, the North Carolina water, and the Cherokee Indian Reservation. So. What do you got? What kind of fish are in there? Uh, pretty much anything trout. So rainbow, brook, and brown. Uh, Smallmouth bass, largemouth bass, white bass, walleye, muskie. Uh, what else do we get? Carp. It's, it's a pretty good fishery. We've got a lot of different species you can go after in a lot of the rivers. And they're pretty close? You don't have to drive too far? Uh, closest water to us is about 100 yards, which is the Tuckasegee River. Wow. So right on the banks? Right on the banks, just about. So People right. like just pull up in canoes and, and need flies ever? Uh, I haven't had anybody do that yet, but I have had the occasional, hey, we were just down here fishing, and what do you suggest? Because we haven't caught anything. And you know they walk in with their waders on from the rivers. Any tubers pass by in the summer? Yes, we we do we get what they call the tube hatch. Tube hatch, <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. So Deep Creek, which is about three miles from us, it gets a uh, probably every day probably about two thousand tubers go down that. So it's a big it's a uh, bigger big attraction for families in the summer. Yeah. Any regionally specific flies you guys have for up there that people wouldn't know of outside your area? Uh, you ever fished a mop fly? That's a little yeah. <laughs> I use those a lot. There, there's a dog toy in our grocery store that has those on it, but they're like centimeter long. I yeah. think they'd make the best caddis bodies. There you go. But they're orange and blue. I want like a green one. <laughs> so the mop fly works well for you guys? Mop fly works well. And then we, we still, in the National Park, man, use a lot of old dry fly patterns that you don't see a lot of the major fly tying companies carry. So we actually have a local tire there that ties some of the old stuff, like the old style parachute items, the old style stimulators and stuff like that. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. 
Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Which is pretty cool because you go up in the National Park, man, and it works. And that, those little stimmies you have here? Uh, some of them are here, yeah. yeah. buggy looking. Yeah. So, Real yeah. buggy looking. It's good stuff, man. But, no, we're pretty blessed, man, to have a, such a good fishery 12 months out of the year. So. Nice. Right, so I was just about to ask about your season. So, yeah. year-round? It's year-round. Trout, bass, obviously, is a little bit more of the warmer season, maybe May through November, right in that time. So... But those are our two main species is trout and bass. But if somebody wants to go after walleye, we'll give it a shot. Nice. I've seen three walleye my whole life. So Yeah. They it's, stocked them in the Potomac in 73, and they kind of just did their own thing. You yeah. don't know. It's always by accident when you catch one. <laughs> well, that's kind of how we, we usually catch them. You'll be stripping a streamer, and all of a sudden you're like, what the heck is this, man? And you pull it up, and you see the teeth. And Yeah, I saw like, a guy lip one last year. Really? He's like, what is this? And he grabs it. I was like, no. And he's like, he dropped it back in. I was like, yeah, you don't want to lip that thing. Yeah, that's like grabbing a muskie, man. <laughs> you never want to grab the mouth, so that's pretty cool, man. Where can we find you guys online? Any social media? Uh, we do Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, it's www.tuckflyshop.com is our website. All right. so. Very cool. Yeah, Thank man. you for your time. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm going to pull a chair up for this one. It's not as bad as other shows where I'm on my feet. All right, so we got Alan digging through a... Looks like someone shot a Tutti Frutti bird in there. Yeah, so, this is uh, an Indian headdress box. <laughs> You're with Southern Culture on the Fly. You want to explain about uh, what that is? Uh, Southern Culture on the Fly. We're a quarterly online magazine, completely free. We cover the South, freshwater, saltwater, everything in between. That's pretty much it. And what are you guys doing here today? Showing off some time materials, some, some goods for sale? Yeah, just some goods for sale. Um, we're uh, letting people subscribe. We've got our old issues running through. Uh, we're just telling everybody about the magazine pretty much. Uh, sweat, sweatshirts, hoodies, hats, all that good mess. All right. What are you tying up now? Something um, big. Something big. Got some ADOTs on the vice, uh, some jackknives, uh, musky flies. All right. What are you using the torch for? All right, the torch is to burn the tubing, uh, some flyman body tubing. Okay. Make, makes them big, but you got to be able to burn it. So we got one guy in my fishing club. He, uh, he'll take a lighter to all his clousers and melt all the thread together. Yeah. And it makes it solid, but I have to get him that. Uh, this is a... Is that like for cooking? It's, it's a soldering gun. Okay. So it's half lighter, half soldering gun, but... Interesting. Yeah. It works really well. No flame. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And where are you based out of? Where's home? So the magazine's based out of Asheville. Um, we're kind of spread out. We've got a section of the magazine in Florida. We got a section of it here in Asheville. I live in Boone, North Carolina, um, and then uh, I'll be moving to Brevard. So it'll be you know mostly most of it's here in North Carolina, but we do have half of it in uh, the saltwater down in Florida. So the Florida people, when they look at the bug on your logo, are they like, "What's that?" Oh, uh, yeah. Most people don't get it. Yeah. They're like that should be a crab. We got some. We got some shrimp stuff too. Okay. Oh yeah. And then you got to steal your face. We got to steal your face. We got the surly monkey. Um, some Sasquatch stuff. I think there's going to be a Sasquatch oh, yes. running around here today. A guy in my my club posted that's our our club forum. You got to find him. Take a picture with him. Yes. I wouldn't mind wearing that. It's still kind of cold in here. Mike Schmidt is sweating, and I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm wearing. I'm sweating too right now. Really? It's a little warm. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe man. it's because I got a torch gun. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll let you get back to time. Where can we find you guys all online? Uh, SouthernCultureOnTheFly.com. That's it. You can go on there, subscribe. It's completely free. Check it out. We've got all our old issues. We've been around for about six years now. So. Very cool. All right. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. Have a good one. All right, so we're with Todd Gregory of, let me see it right, Toey. 
towing. All right, so let's talk about your boats. Certainly, go right ahead. Uh, we got a drift boat here, mm -hmm. and then the other one just mm -hmm. looks ridiculous. Uh, let's talk about your drift boats. So okay. this one's about 14 oh, this feet? Is 16. This 16. 16, yeah. This, like. this is the Raptor. This is actually this is the uh, first day we've, we've shown it in public. Uh, all new, extremely lightweight, high-performance hull. Um, just just the best tracks materials that, that, that we could use it. Uh, everything on this boat set up for streamer fishing. It floats really shallow like a skiff, floats in four inches of water, uh, yet, yet you've got a full uh, a full on drift boat, uh, nothing to tangle on, large storage. Uh, you know, it's really set up for the guys that are gonna, you know, design from the beginning for the guys that are going, you know, chase big brown, striper, musky, anybody that's hucking big meat, man. Right, right. And are these coolers that the seats are set on, or are they dry hatches? No, well, it could be used Whatever. for either. You know, that's you know, as a boat builder, the cheapest, easiest thing for me to do would be to go in and build my own boxes. Nope. However, what it comes to, but is you can never really get them as dry as a cooler. So it's nowhere near as profitable to do it this way, but to do the, for the best product, that cooler is going to be drier than any box I can ever build. Yep. And it, you, you know, you can use it as a cooler, you can use it as dry storage. So yeah, and we're with the Orions now because not only are they an outstanding cooler, the latches don't catch fly line. I like that. Nothing to get your fly line caught on. Yeah, absolutely. We got some cup holders. Yeah, we, man, we got to have cup holders. Absolutely. And then the, how many rods can you store in this one? Uh, you can actually do eight in this one. And then dry hatches, yep. four and a half here? Four, yeah, four and a half the large cabinets on both sides. Of course, the cabinets are big enough to accommodate, you know, uh, PFDs, the larger fly boxes that you're seeing today, you know, musky fishermen, striper fishermen. Uh, there's two different hatch sizes. This has the standard size. We have a just, ex, you know, extremely large hatch size where basically the whole side becomes one big hatch. And then we've got these quick draw hatches so that the rower can keep items uh, really close at hand for when they need to grab them right before they hit that rock. And you got the foot release for the anchor. Mm -hmm. Foot release anchor. Uh, one of the other things we really like is the edging. You know, we've, we've looked at, and you may say it's a small thing, but you know, we fish, therefore we hit stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, so, I'm always hitting pylons with my boat. Normal, you know, we're going to do that. So why, why use cheap roll edging? On a drift boat, so this, this is an edging that we sourced that was uh, extruded for a company that actually builds small work boats, and uh, it's it's very durable, it's very thick, and it's, it's screwed in with stainless steel screws all the way around the boat, so it's not going to come off on you. And all of it sitting on, a, you know, as always, one of our custom design trailers. I like how you got a roller up top. Yeah, just slides right off. Slides right off. Rollers front and rear, a hundred thousand mile no maintenance uh, hubs, uh, big. You know, robust walking areas on both sides, and everything we do is galvanized. We don't do any paying trailers. All right. Let's go talk about this boat here. This just looks fun. We've got trolling motor and an outboard. Mm -hmm. You can do oars. Yes. Walk everywhere you want. Hold a ton of rods. Uh, what's the outboard that this is recommended for? Uh, that, that's a 20 horsepower. This one's got one of the new EFI Suzuki's. This is the Rivermaster Calusa. This is our go anywhere do anything boat uh, this this is actually my skiff uh, this particular boat an example of that statement uh, has been everywhere from stripers in new jersey uh, up to canada and northern wisconsin multiple trips to qs for tarpon and permit 
Uh, lots of muskie, lots of striper. It's been on the White River in Arkansas. Uh, it's been on a lot. Been on the Ocoee. The stories this boat could tell? Oh, many, many. Yeah. Many and uh, actually, as soon as we leave here, it's going to Delacroix, Louisiana, for redfish. So. Nice. Are you going on that trip with I, it? I am. Going oh with man, it. that's fantastic. You can't go without me. Yeah. Uh, but no, this this is a uh, Rivermaster Calusa with a full forward deck. This one's set up uh, to kind of quick convert. You see. You can pole it. it. Doesn't have a polling platform on this boat. We 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 do a lot with polling platforms, but. This one's mine. I will throw a, a, a cooler up there and pull off of a cooler. It's one of the few boats designed to pull well off a cooler. And, uh, you know, if, if I'm heading to the river that day, we just pop off the push pole, spin off the V Marine push pole holders, drop in the SRO rowing frame, pull off the uh, quick release trolling motor, and, you know, we're ready for down the river. Same thing, it also rides on one of our custom built. Yeah, when I walked in the door this morning, I saw this boat. It was just like, damn. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Where can we find you guys online? You can find us at toyboats.com or on Facebook at Toy Guide Tested Skiffs. Fantastic. All right, thanks for the time. Hey, man, thank you. So when I drove up here today, there was uh, Heist's car in the parking lot, and I knew it because of Instagram. And it's got this crazy body wrap on it, and uh, I found the guys who did it. So you want to talk about what you guys do and introduce yourself and where you're from? And Yeah. Uh, so my name is David Wooten. Uh, uh, I'm an owner in a company called The Print Path. We do uh, large format digital printing. We do vehicle wraps, uh, dye sublimated fabrics. Uh, trade show displays, boat wraps, uh, just about if it exists, you know, we can we can wrap it, we can decal it, or uh, you have an idea for a trade show booth or some way to advertise your company, we can we can make that dream come true. And based on his truck, you can do pretty much any color? Yeah, so uh, Dave's truck is just pretty much a, a picture, or it's actually uh, a duplication of some artwork uh, by... Uh, Travis Sylvester, I believe is his name. So it's a painting that we actually scanned in and duplicated on the side of his on the side of his vehicle. So you know it's all digital printing, so the sky's the limit. Uh, there is no extra charge for different colors. It's all just you know pretty much if you have a vision, we can make it happen. Have you had any bring in like a really bizarre car, like one of those old things or like a VW Bug? Yeah, I would say probably the one of the craziest things we've we've wrapped everything from lawnmowers to one of the old style. Uh, uh, what's the, the the hippie style VW vans? I mean, we've wrapped just about everything. Uh, we did a really cool piece for uh, a mobile uh, September 11th. Never forget. Which is, you see here, but right. it's uh, it's a really cool mobile museum that kind of travels around the country and kind of educates kids on September 11th, what happened, and, and a lot of a lot of big graphics, a lot of info, stuff like that. So any, we've done it all. Any bizarre things like strip clubs? Or? Yeah, we've done some. Uh, let's see. I think one of the crazier things that we've ever done is we did a bunch of. Uh, lingerie stand-ups for a lingerie company yes yeah, so awesome i spent my day uh, cropping out uh you know half nude models so that was not that was not a bad gig at all so yeah that's we've cropping out's not a euphemism is it? <laughs> no no it's that's like some term on urban dictionary yeah that's yeah yeah that's a that's a, only a nerdy graphic design term so but uh yeah we've we've man I, i've got all kinds of stories of different things we've wrapped and done and i think a lawnmower is like a push one no no it's like a racing lawnmower which is even better like the yeah, guys that do like yeah the, for real that's too cool <laughs> yeah. yeah so they have like a, a local racing league around uh, around where we're at and they, we've we've 
yeah, that's a whole other story in itself. But uh, yeah, if you if you think it can be wrapped, more than likely we can do it. What if you try to wrap somebody? So I heard about the guy who tried to get something gold plated the other day and it killed him. I don't know <laughs> yeah, if that's a true tried, story. We haven't tried to wrap anybody yet. Uh, no, it's not a. Uh, it's not something we've done some fire suits for some race car drivers, but about that's that's about the extent of human wrapping, I think. Okay. So. All right. Where can we find you online? Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, we're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, uh, theprintpath.com. Uh, check us out. You got some pretty cool wheels out there on your van too. Yeah, it's one of the few. Uh, we 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 actually have a couple of shirts that we printed up that says Van Envy on it. So uh, yeah, it's a jacked up. 15 passenger uh, 3500 van so you can't miss it it's uh it's a sight to see for sure very cool all right thanks so much thanks a lot appreciate it all right so we are uh what what's, what's the booth we got the black rock guys now you're right i'm black rock outdoors there in silva okay and i'm alex bell i've got ab's fly fishing guide service and i helped create the uh, western north carolina fly fishing trail which was the first in the nation so okay. that's kind of the so the combination. We'll, we'll talk to you first and then talk about the trail. All right. Reba's always got to talk over us. How to fly fish. Okay. Well, hopefully they won't pick this up. So you are out of Silva, North Carolina? That is correct. We're in Silva, North Carolina, Jackson County. We're the home of the first ever officially designated fly fishing trail in the United States. We're an Orvis authorized uh, dealer, fly shop, uh, there with locally tied flies, which I tie most in-house. Nice. Not all of them. Can't claim all of them. And these are all local, like, specifically, like, you try to take it somewhere else, it might not work, but where you are, it's... Certainly going to work there. A lot yeah. of the Southern Appalachian flies that uh, that are well known in the area, Todd, you know Frank Coffee, uh, you know Fred Hall, those uh, Charlie Messer, Roger Lowe type patterns that you're going to find uh, here in this part of the country that people are going to know about. Okay. And because I'm not from here, I've never heard of those guys, but I'm sure those are like, like up in Pennsylvania, there's Mac and Joe Bruce and all the Latorte guys. So that's sort of the North Carolina version of those guys? Absolutely. Very well known in this area right here. I was fortunate enough to learn from Charles Messer, uh, who has actually been publishing some of Don Kirk's books, uh, and of course Roger Lowe, who is who is a very uh, well-known local fly tire in the area and has also been published as well. Uh, but with that being said, we're a full-service fly shop there in Silva. We're right there in the heart uh, of the fly fishing trail. We're three three miles from the D8 section of the Tuckaseegee River, which we hosted a 2011 USA Fly Fishing Championships, and I can actually walk out my back door and walk to Scotts Creek, which has actually had uh, two state records for trout. I can actually just walk right right to it right there and, and, and fish that awesome. as well. So, yeah, very lucky. Yeah. yeah. So let's say we want to, someone listening in California wants to buy one of these local flies trying their waters. Are they available on the site? Uh, you can contact me there at, at the store uh, via phone, 828-631-4453. Or you can also uh, go to our website, uh, blackrockoutdoorcompany.com, and get in touch with us, and we can take care of you. Do you guys year-round fishery? Absolutely, yes. Fantastic. All right. How's the show been going for you so far? It's been going good, making a lot of good contacts here. Obviously, we've got a, we've got a great crowd, a lot of great vendors here with us. Uh, nice presentations, everybody from George Daniels, uh, uh, Tom Rosenbauer, and Kevin Howell, you know, locally here. And, and of course, all your casting demonstrations. It's just a great place to be, and 
you know, if, wish you could be here. If you can't get here, if you can get here, you need to get here. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know about this until maybe 13 months ago. And Reeve was like, you got to come down and see it. And I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to go to Asheville, so here I am. The, the beer scene down here is the most amazing thing so far. Asheville uh, Beer City, USA. Yeah. Actually, in, over in Silva, Jackson County, where we're located, we've got three uh, microbrews now, and a couple of them have won some uh, state awards. Is there also a beer trail? Yeah, yeah, from my house to <laughs> So let, let's talk about the fishing trail. So I've read about this probably in TU and fly fishing magazines. Right. Um, you want to tell us how it all started? Yeah, actually, uh, my past experience, I was a high school principal uh, in Silva. And when I was getting ready to retire, the lady who was the executive director of the Chamber of Commerce uh, called and said, I know you're going to start guiding. Would you help us create something to help with tourism? And so we kind of met and got together and uh, stole an idea of the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail out of northern Alabama. And uh, the, the running joke is I was the high school golf coach until they demoted me down to principal. So I was familiar with the <laughs> golf trail. And so we just said, I wonder if there's a fly fishing trail. And you Google search it, and there wasn't one. And so uh, got our maps out and decided how to do it. Find 15 spots is what we decided on. And the main thing was to find water that met everybody's needs. So we've got big water. We've got places where you can float. We've got wade. We've got hike back. We've got for blue liners. We've got small streams. Uh, we're a lot of uh, national uh, park waters and far service waters so i mean it's uh it's a great fishery and it's so you're saying that you have like the whole stream to fish not a section maybe so we're not hot spotting areas right and, and the locals were a little concerned when we first started that but it's not like you tell somebody to go to the big oak tree and it's the big boulder down below with that yeah we give what we call a stretch and so we get kind of a beginning point and an ending point and a piece of water uh, actually, there's a flyfishingtrail.com is our website, and I, I have GPS locations to kind of help people locate it. Uh, and then I, I talk to different clubs around the country about the, how the trail started and what we do. And some places I go, they've already got the map, and they're doing it like a scorecard. So it's a competition to see who can get fish in all 15 spots first. So they, they run a little uh, pool operation there. Now, other than, like, locals, do you get, like, out-of-towners, like, summer vacation? Some people want to go hit every ballpark in the country. Oh, yeah. Are you getting a lot of destination anglers coming out here? Yeah. And, see, this, this came out. Our first maps came out in February of 2009. And so we've never really been in a good economy, if you know. I mean, that's mm -hmm. kind of right after the, the bubble burst. And we get a lot of people from the eastern who used to go out Wyoming, Montana, and they said, well, you know, if we'd have known it was this nice all along, we would have come here. So we, we get a lot of those people. Uh, two, two Aprils ago, I had people from 20 different states in the month of April. So, yeah, we get people from all over, and, you know, I've had them from Germany and England and France, and it just, yeah, it, it's become a destination fly fishery now. That's awesome. Yeah. If you had one fly to fish all those stretches, what would it be? Uh, depend. If it was, uh, if it was wet, it'd probably just be a woolly booger. Uh, if it was dry, either an orange palmer or a uh, parachute Adams. Orange palmer. What would that be? 
Uh, kind of a local, yeah. a local fly, but that's it's, what I like. You guys all have. There's very niche flies down here. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a go-to, uh, especially depending on time of year. But it's 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 a fairly easy tie. Uh, floats like a buoy and fish like. Are you tying those up? I noticed you have the. Uh, I'm totally blanking on his name right now. The Norvice. Norm Norlander. Yeah. How do you like the Norvice? Is that yours? That's, That's I actually have two of them. I have the one there at the, at the store that I tie on, and then I have my commercial set up at home, and it is is a great tool, and we actually sell those there at the shop. But the Palmer, the, the Palmer, there's, there's a little bit of a debate on really where that one actually started at, but uh, we sell a lot of Palmers. The most popular color is probably a pale yellow. Or, or, or a baby uh, yellow. You can either tie it with a golden pheasant tippet tail, or actually just a uh, just a uh, brown and uh, grizzly uh, hackle tail. Uh, it's a it's a very simple fly. Great thing is it catches fish, and, it, and as Alex said, it floats like a cork, so it's easy to see. Uh, but uh, you know, you tie in pale yellow, orange. I got two orange variations that I do. Also tie it in a uh, in a green when your inchworms are hanging. And my oldest son actually caught uh, in the Smoky Mountain National Park. He caught a 17-inch brown on a green palmer last uh, last April uh, up there. So uh, so 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 it's a great fly. I caught a lot of fish on the on the palmer. But uh, as Alex said, you know where we're at. You know uh, it's hard to beat a you know a parachute at them yeah. as well. So yeah. fantastic. Yeah. All right. Uh, one more time. Where can we find you guys online? Uh, we're at uh, BlackRockOutdoorCompany.com, um, and then, of course we have the FlyFishingTrail.com. Uh, all the information is there as far as the guiding and things like that uh, for us. Eight two eight six three one four four five three is the store number. Fantastic. Thank you so much, guys. So uh, I'm with Alan at the. Isiola Lodge? Isiola Lodge. All right, yeah. so where are you guys located? We're in Linville, North Carolina, right at the base of Grandfather Mountain. All right, and what type of fishery do you have? We have five and a half miles of the Linville River that's private just to lodge guests and a, a private fishing club there at the uh, Linville Golf Club. Um, there's, a, there's a pretty big rainbow behind you. Did that come out of your waters? <laughs> it sure did. Yeah, we have uh, rainbows from old 25 inches, uh, uh, maybe even some a little bigger. I don't know. Gotta find those ones. So <laughs> it's a great fishery. It's a, it's a great venue for teaching, for for beginning anglers wanting to learn more about fly fishing. It's a perfect venue for that. So. And one thing I'm learning around here is uh, there's a lot of very regional flies. Are there any real specific ones that you guys use down there that other people wouldn't know about? Oh, that you want to talk I about? You can really. you can wink on the radio. Yeah, can I? <laughs> Actually, you know we we do a lot of uh, uh, nymphing on our waters, and we have this uh, slow water pheasant tail, which is a a killer. We'll do a double nymph rig with a slow water pheasant tail, and usually drop a a gold and brown zebra midge off of that, in about an eighteen or a size twenty. And it works every time. Works every time. <laughs> All right. And you got some rods down here, or yeah, uh, Thomas and Thomas. We're, uh, we're, uh, we're we deal in uh, in TNT. Love that company. Great guys up there. Yeah. It's a little uh, like a family. They were founded just north of where I live, up at yeah. University of Maryland. Yeah. yeah. In the dorm, apparently, is what they were telling <laughs> me one night. It's a great stick. We yeah. have them in our uh, demo rods, and then, and we also uh, rep uh, or sell TNT rods, and and uh, love them. Good sticks. Yeah. What other amenities you have at the lodge? I'm seeing here on your brochure. Yeah. Well, we have a covered five stand. For somebody who wants to do a little uh, blasting, we can do a little cast and blast package. We have uh, stand-up paddleboard rentals, canoe rentals, guided hikes. Um, man, lots of stuff. Looks like there's a spa, too. 
the spa is awesome. See, I would want that after a day of fishing. Well, you know, the, the, it's popular with the ladies too, but uh, you know, I've found that usually the, the women really want to go fly fishing and not go to the spa. And they tend to do a lot better than the men. Anyway. They, they always pick it up faster. Yeah. Women, women and children. Women listen. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, but it's a it's a wonderful spot. It's it's, uh, uh, it's fairly new, um, but it's it's a great place. Beautiful place. Are these all slides from down there? Yes. Yeah, so we take pictures of most of our anglers want to get a good fish picture, and we kind of go over. Uh, some instruction in, in that venue as well, how, we, to, how to not kill a fish. We always take pictures to prove to the wives that they weren't at the, the nudie bars because we're fishing <laughs> yeah. in, like right down the street from there. <laughs> yeah, you need to take you need to have some proof that you've yeah. actually been fishing. That's some um, absolutely gorgeous isn't that pretty? water. Yeah. yeah, so we, you know, every a trophy, you've been catching release waters, you really just want to get a good a good photo. I've seen a lot of photos where all I can see is the, the hands of the angler you know, or, a diff, or a bad angle. We, we don't really want to showcase the uh, the, the beauty of the fish. And we got a um, tiger muskie in there? Well, that was on the Nolichucky. Okay, so, and I, saw, uh, I think yeah, I saw a we striper. Do some, we do, yeah, we do. The striper was on the New River. Okay. Um, we do some float trips that are within about an hour of the lodge. So we'll uh, we'll do that occasionally um, to anglers that want to get away from the lodge. But I don't do a lot of that. Most of our lodge guests want to experience the Limmel River and all that the resort has to offer right there. So it's a, we don't we don't do a lot of the float trips usually for for members there or, or local. What kind of boat y'all float with? Clackacraft. All right. Is that, that with the one out front? Uh, not right here. I don't have mine here. Uh, we on some of the conditions we use a uh, rubber raft, but uh, I really like the clacka. It doesn't. Uh, it it, it uh, fear no rock. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Where can we find you guys online? Uh, www.eceola.com. That's E S E E. O-L-A, two E's. There's a lot of vowels and everything around here. <laughs> it is. It's almost like speaking Hawaiian. Yeah, it is. E-C-O-L-A. And, uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, a lot of information on the website. Will do. All right, thanks All right. so much. You're welcome. All right, so we're at the uh, Syndicate booth. Eric, do you want to tell us what Syndicate Fly Fishing is? So we're a manufacturer of various um, fly fishing products. We focus on Euro nymphing rods, and uh, you got some fly tie materials here, some uh, tungsten beads, hooks, and dubbing. So if someone's not familiar with the, the Euro nymphing techniques, could you give a little elevator speech? Basically just, you know, tight lining, you know, high sticking, what a lot of you know people might refer to as high sticking. Um, you know, just using longer rods, better reach. Um, you know, a lot of the comp style uh, guys are using the Euro nymphing uh, technique. Just an effective way to catch fish. And if you're doing it right, it's very effective. Yeah, exactly right. So we're starting to see more of this in the tie. So you got the slotted beads that fit over these kind of jig hooks what so is that just make the fly go down faster or is it the angle that it goes down it's not necessarily the jig hook i mean the, the tungsten beads you know what you're using to you know for your nymphs to give it that extra weight to get you down in the you know the strike area quicker and gives you better you know lo- better and longer drifts okay and your dubbing here is this your guys own like proprietary blend um so the poly blend is um basically taking in a lot of our uh multi-laminates that we offer uh, and blending those together for the poly blend um multi-laminate and the dry fly just kind of standard fly time materials and where are you out of we're out of knoxville tennessee okay and what do you mostly fish for out there uh so you know we got you know we're lucky where we're at geographically I and mean, we got a lot of good places to fish um within you know an hour 45 minutes so um but you know brown trout um you know rainbow trout obviously um a lot of fishing in the park uh wataga um you know it's kind of the go-to spots for us how's the bourbon these days 
Um, yeah, I'm a Scotch fan, so. But you know, um, being Tennessee, you know, bourbon's definitely a, a, a poison of choice, I guess. So, uh, but I'm, I'm a Scotch guy. What's, what's your Scotch right now? What are you drinking? Um, I'm doing some uh, Balvini, uh, some uh, for, they got a, like a Caribbean cast. Basically, they're aging that last bit of it in uh, rum barrels. It's awesome. Sounds kind of, pretty good to me. It, it kind of maybe flies in the face of your, you know, diehard Scotch people, but the finish on it's nice. All right. Where can we find you guys online? Any social media? Uh, so we're on Instagram. Our handle is syndicate underscore FF. Uh, Facebook as well, syndicate fly fishing, and then obviously on the uh, on the interwebs. Fantastic. Thank you for your time. Thanks for stopping by. So what, what, do, you, what do we want to do? Let's just talk about your company. So okay. you're uh, Chitola. Yeah, we're Chitola Resort in Blowing Rock, North Carolina. And is that what is Chitola? Is that a Chitola is actually Cherokee for haven of uh, haven of rest. Okay. That's what that means. So it's you know basically we're at the we're at the crest with the mountains at thirty eight hundred feet in elevation. So yeah, thirty eight hundred feet. Or 30, yeah, thirty eight hundred feet elevation. Right. So it's pretty it's pretty good up there. But the Indians they lived in the lower elevations, and in, in the summer when it got hot, they would retreat back to the top of the mountains. It's like DC. So that's how they got the name Chitola Haven of Rest. No one so lived in DC in the summers. They all right. go out to the mountains. Right. Because it's a disgusting swamp. <laughs> right. So you said rest. I mean, I'm looking at the picture of this lodge. That mm-hmm. looks. Uh, Pretty posh. It's beautiful. It's a, it's, a, it's an upscale resort, but it, what we want to do is create memories for everybody, and that, all families included. And we have uh, price ranges for every family, all through it, from from one nineteen to three hundred and sixty dollars a night. So uh, we have we have you know rooms for everybody, and once you're on the property, you can enjoy every amenity we have there. Cast and blast, so, absolutely. What about absolutely. Ro- what about rooster fish? Uh, we don't have any rooster fish, but you can see our our fella. Oh, that's the from them. Yeah. Oh, they're sneaking the rooster Yeah, they're sneaking the rooster It drew you in, though, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so we got you. We got you. But, yeah, that's what we that's what we offer. We're the oldest Orvis and Dorse Lodge in North Carolina. We've been doing it longer than the Biltmore. Okay. So we've got water spread throughout the mountains of North Carolina. So that, And Brownsbrook rainbows? Absolutely. Brownsbrook and rainbow char. I mean, rainbow um, trout. Absolutely. Big fish. Mm-hmm. You're right about using a big net. Yeah, we do. We do have a big net for sure. All walking weed. You guys have boats. We do it all. We do whatever you want to do. We, basically, what I want to do is cater to your. Right. I want to find out what your ultimate day would be. And if you tell me I want to catch 18-inch wild trout on a dry fly, then we're going to go to South Holston River and, and cast sulfurs for for you know a big dry fly. If you tell me you want to get a 24-inch rainbow, then we're going to go to one of our private water streams and we're going to try our best to put you on a, a trophy right. fish like that for sure. Nice. Year-round fishing? Absolutely. We're year-round. And, uh, you know, our elevation, our latitude allows us for a long season. Our elevation keeps us keeps everything cool. Yeah. And then we have tailwaters around, which tailwaters keeps a constant temperature coming out from the bottom of the lake. Right, so right. it never freezes up and uh, it allows us to fish year-round. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of happy people in your slideshow here. <laughs> Absolutely. You got a preference for flies? Uh, I do. You know, right now, uh, you can't you can't beat the squirmy wormy. You can't beat it right now. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a hot slide. Striped bass, man. Yeah, yeah, well, we get tons of stripers on them. Mm-hmm. That, that you know, worms. I mean, you can't beat it. But I mean, yeah. that's that's the for what we do. That squirmy wormy, it's a real hot fly right now for sure. Very nice. Um, where do we find you guys? You have social media. We do. We're on Facebook. Um, we're not. We're, I'm gonna branch on to other things right now, but we're just now getting started on that as far as the social media part of it. But we we're on Facebook. We obviously have a website at www.shatola.com. Um, and you can check us out on that. 
but uh, we do. We are on social media. We're going to start more and more as it goes. You got a very well-behaved pointer that was just over here. <laughs> we do. That's that's the, that's the. He's a field dog, but he's also going. I think we're going to turn him into our lodge dog because of his behavior. He is a good dog. I'd love to be by that fireplace. Those chairs. That's right. Yeah. Bourbon. Mm, it's a beautiful. you go. It's a beautiful. We have some good bourbon for you, nice. all different kinds, for sure. All right. Best time of year to fish. If someone wants to like come down for the best season. I tell them best time to fish is whenever you can. But if you really want to know the best season to actually go is honestly right now. You know, November. It depends on what you're going for. But I like fishing in November, even into December. But October, November, and then the same time of the year. You know, in May. I like got May and June. Wherever that air temperature gets to be, you know, 70s during the day and 50s during the night. That's the, the trout. That's your best fishing. Right Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Appreciate the time. Thank you, sir, very much. I appreciate you. All right. So we're with Dave Heiss, Casters. Where are you located? Uh, Hickory, North Carolina. What would that be in relation to for Charlotte? Charlotte? Okay. 50 miles north uh, from the airport. All right. And what are you tying today? I'm tying a uh, burrowing mayfly nymph that represents either green drake in this area or uh, hexagenia. Okay. You talk about the resin you're using a lot on Instagram. How does that stuff play into your tying? Uh, I use it pretty much every pattern I tie. It's uh, one of the only, at least that I know of, tack-free resins. Um, been using it for about four years now, and uh, it's truly set, uh, wet to set, eight seconds, and tack-free. So Trad over here, he's using the, the loon. Yep. He's got to put an extra coat on over the tack. This stuff doesn't need it. Correct. Intriguing. And, and you can touch and feel it for yourself that was yeah. this bug looks like it's about to crawl away yep. and the fish like it just as much as I do uh, yes all right not something I put on all the time but uh, I put it on when I'm having a tough time because they'll eat it fairly realistic and also has a lot of movement yeah what are the legs made from uh, Jason okay Sweden yeah and then there's a lot of little extra steps on there too. It's not not uh, the way it comes out of the package. And let's, let's talk some wormies here. So it seems if you want to trace the evolution of, of wormies back, it seems that you're ground. You're like the the evolutionary hotspot of it. Ten, ten years. Uh, started started using them. I, I found the material in uh, well, down here. It's Party City. That's where you buy like kids' costumes right. and par party supplies. And I saw a, a spaghetti ball in the bin, and I grabbed it and said, "Damn, that'd make a good worm." And ten years later, it's a worldwide oh. evolution revolution. Striped bass up on the Potomac, they love those worms. Striped yeah. bass, yep. It's, a couple guys down here have caught bass. Yeah, striped bass on them. Catfish. I mean, bluegill, it, yeah, large, large small, mouth, small mouth, everything. I brown. lost a, a carp on one about two years ago. It was but, right at my feet. I set the hook and bonefish. I've known known of people catching bonefish on them. Yeah, and more colors now. Yes, he's got uh, shark, kind of a fluorescent yellow, fluorescent green. There's a new hubba bubba pink that I'm don't have yet. Have it soon. And then you also have the CNF design, which I've never seen as a, uh, sort of like a chest pack lanyard. Yep. 
That's pretty nifty. Yeah, CNF has always been a uh, favorite, and especially in the tying world. Uh, I use I use the bobbins use the bobbins for probably about 15 years. Um, the bodkin with the the dubbing brush on it it's pretty cool. Uh, they've got hackle pliers with um, they actually have like a spring in them. They're spring loaded, so when you pull on your hackle, it actually gives, so your hackle doesn't break. It's, it's a neat company. What's your vice of choice? Uh, my vice is a Lawrence Waldron, and you can't get them anymore. Um, I got this vice 17 years ago as a gift for it was $900 at that point, and this same vice used today is selling for equivalent of 2,200 pounds. Whoa! Wow! Doesn't make doesn't make it anymore. So. Yeah. How are you liking the, the bead tool? Instead of having to put beads in your... I always put them on my palm. Yeah, it, it was work, working? Works, works pretty well. Um, I'm still the old school using my fingers, but a lot of people that I've sold it to love it. Uh, def, definitely does the job. You need a mat to really make it okay. work well. It, it comes with a mat, little mat, like a, a bead pad. Very similar to Hairline's mega pad that they have. Uh, which I have at my home, my home tying station. And you're guiding as well. Yes. Some big rainbows I've seen caught. Yep. Three. Uh, my allotment per week, just because I'm a, somewhat of a one-man show, is two, maybe three days a week, and it it takes me takes me a day and a half to catch up being away from the store. One day, so. So if you're out, stores locked. My wife. Your wife runs the yes, show there. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good. Uh, I have another gentleman that helps out a little bit, but it's just kind of a it, it it works out. Most of the time when I'm gone, people know and they wait till I'm back to to come in. We have guys like that at the shop I work at. They'll come in, so and so working. No, I was like, all right, I'll come back. Yep. yep. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I should be flattered or if I'm, if I'm losing sales, but it, it seems to work. Yeah. Where can we find you online, social media? Uh, castersflyshop.com uh, and online stores, castersonlineflyshop.com. Fantastic. All right. Well, keep up the good work. Thank you. All appreciate right. it. Glad I could finally get to meet you. Yeah. Thank you. It. Thank you. So we're, with, we're at the uh, the Flyman booth. We've got Trad with us. What are you tying right now? Right now I'm tying a Mayfly nymph. What size is this one? 14. 14. Do you have a preference for the hooks you're using? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm shaking your table. I like Tiemco. Tiemco's? All right. And of course, I guess being at the Flyman booth, you're using their nymph heads? Yeah, sure. What's your preference for vices? Um, probably this from Jetty Travel is my favorite. Any reason? Mainly just because it holds the hook good, and it is true rotary. So you like, do you use the rotary function a lot? Not really to wrap things. I just use it more to look at the underside of my fly. And you're pr you told me earlier you like the ADOT Unithread? Yes, sir, I like I don't anywhere, and usually camel is the color I use. Okay. Most of your flies are natural colored? Yeah. 
Um, but sometimes I will tie bridal flies for delayed harvest. Do you have a preference for a type of fly that you like better? Dries, wets, nymphs? Usually nymphs. I occasionally will fish dry flies, but not a lot. And if the loon people are hearing this, you've been selling me on loon products. That's your go-to for uh, finishing your flies? Most times I like it because it doesn't smell as bad and it, it sets well. All right, so you're tying uh, a nymph now, and you've got knotted pheasant tail legs, correct? Yes, sir. I knotted three strands to make it fatter at the second joint, and then I cut one off for the last joint, so then it tapers down to only one leg. How long does it take you to knot? It looks like you went through a whole tail and knotted, like, half of the top. I don't know exactly how long it takes, but probably... To net a whole one an hour or so, probably. And how did you get to become a flyman tire at their booth today? Uh, did, they, did they invite you? Yes, they invited me. Plus, we just known, known them. Known you them you're pretty close to them, right? Yes. We mm -hmm. live near. Any other patterns you're going to tie up today? I'll probably tie caddis pupa, maybe caddis lava, stoneflies, just different nymphs. Any uh, classic Atlantics while you're here? Not sure. I take too long. How long does one of those take? Um, if I really take my time and make it perfect, about six hours. That would take me a lot longer than six. All right. And for those that want to follow your tying adventures on... Instagram, it's Trad's Flies, T R A D D. Two D's in Trad? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Two D's. All right. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the podcast. Thank you. All right, we're uh, at the Flyman booth. We got Trad to our right, some streamer chick Abby to our left. What's uh, been going on? We have been having a good show today. Nice turnout uh, at the WNC Fly Fishing Expo. Um, not much other than watching people cast and selling some great fly tying materials and watching Trad whip up some amazing concoctions of evolution beads and um, what else is he tying? Well, mainly evolution Crazy beads. Nymph right now. Yeah, yeah, like bumblebees and these exotic mosquitoes that only come from Africa. Um, we yeah. get like dengue fever from his flies. <laughs> I know, seriously. But hey, they'll catch fish. Yeah. So I heard you guys are uh, moving up in the world with locations. We are moving up in the world in locations. We recently acquired a plot of land, and we are going to build a... Well, we've dug out the side of a mountain, basically. And we are going to build a big warehouse with offices on the front. Um, probably have a little welcome to the neighborhood party when it all comes uh, together. It'll be like early March, hopefully. Uh, we're like busting at the seams at the office building we're renting right now, so we are so stoked. How many employees do y'all have? Currently, we have three full-time employees. We just hired another full-time employee that's going to start in uh, January, and then we outsource some packing to some local um, operations in Transylvania County, so Transylvania Vocational Transylvania. Services. Uh-huh. Transylvania, like Dracula and stuff. Do we have this conversation in Florida that 
my grandma used to live next to the Count of Transylvania? Yes, yes we did, okay, absolutely. I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, but four full-time employees starting in January um, 2016, so we're pretty small, but we operate on a pretty large scale for the amount of people that we have. Yeah. So more products, I guess, will be coming out too, more space? You can expect a lot from us next nice. year, like product a month, hopefully, cool. if we can pull it together. It's going to be a really big year for Flyman next year. Nice. We kind of... Talk about flies, there's like one flying around me. Yeah, I know, there are flies in here. It's all um, the cheap beer, these guys. You're in Asheville. What are you drinking the cheap stuff too? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> following you. I know, I'm drinking the Bud Light. That's not what you can drink all day, you know? If you drink that craft beer all day, you would not be okay. Yeah. Look at me, I'm Dr. Seuss too. Rhyming and all. <laughs> Did you hear about her doppelganger? No, well, no, he hasn't. All right, so we have Port City Brewing Company, and there's Port City. Port City. Alexandria, Virginia was a huge port back in the day. Imagine her, like, blonde. You could totally pouring, do that. pouring beer. Does she have glasses? Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'd show you my phone's completely dead, but, yeah, you oh. totally. You come up March 19th, we're having a Project Healing Waters fly time marathon there. Oh, yeah, well... When I, where exactly is... D.C. Okay. Not close. That's, well, that's not that far. I've never been to D.C. I could do that. March 19th. Yeah. Pull in St. Patrick's Day, make it like a whole festive oh. weekend. So Saturday's the 19th. Thursday's the 7th. Isn't pink? Yeah, there's a huge St. Patrick's Day outside the Orvis store in Arlington. Hell yeah. Yeah. You can say that. Okay. Yeah, no, we've had people say worse. <laughs> I'm sure. If you yeah. get on down to Scoff and talk to Dave... It'll oh. be a lot worse. Yeah, we only had to bleep one thing out so far today. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's impressive. How long are you here for? Probably tomorrow afternoon. I don't know if I can handle the uh, pig farming. Hospitality? Farm oh. <laughs> pig farming thing might be too much. Yeah. So I might it's... drive halfway tomorrow, camp somewhere, and do the rest. There you go. Yeah, pig farm in Nashville is usually crazy last year. I think two people got tattoos. Um, there was a huge leg wrestling contest last year. I heard it, Yes. I lost pretty hard. What is the? There's a name for that leg wrestling. Uh, it's um, Indian leg wrestling. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I tried to beat Dave. And then there was also the bathtub on wheels, which we not see. That yet. was here. Well, I they're, they're, they're here. But I'm not actually sure. I'm pretty sure that they're behind us. And yeah, there's a bathtub that you can ride around on wheels. I rode it last year. It's pretty cool. Sweet. It goes pretty fast, like a golf cart. Yeah. But a bathtub. All right. No storage. Not really sure. I guess point. when Martin's back tomorrow, we'll go through new products. Yeah, R and D with him. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You got a pretty good price on shirts here. Yep. Yep. Five dollars. Beat that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, we'll just give you one. What size are you? Medium. Medium. Yeah. Okay. Let me. Do you care what shirt it is? I don't. Not white though. I'm a messy eater. Do you see white anywhere? Oh, there's one. All right, all right, you got me. No, no white, that is. No yeah, white. No white, I can't do it. It's part of my name, but I can't do it. No white. Rob, no white, not Snow yeah. White. So, no, someone asked me about my name. They're like, why would she rob, why would someone rob Snow White? I was like, what? To like your name, I was like, I, no one's ever asked me that before. <laughs> and then when they said that, I bet you're like, I can't believe nobody's Yeah, and I, when I was teaching, like one kid interrupted class, he raised his hand. He's like, you're in Carolina? He goes, uh, do you eat apples that people give you because they might be poisonous? I was like, what? So put your hand down. I'm trying to teach. So. Are there seven little dwarves that follow you around? Yeah. No, I'm sure you've heard that one. Just mine, Sorry. my kid. Uh, so Instagram, where do we find you to? Uh, uh, at some streamer chick. 
And yep. you're going to go shad fishing again this spring? Absolutely. We have to get you some shad flies. That would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. And at Flyman at Fishing Flyman Co. At Flyman Fishing Co. Yeah. All right. That's Caleb. Don't worry about him. All right. Don't worry about me. He's just the behind the scenes. Behind the table. He makes me look good. All right. And bleeps out all my curse words. You can say one now if you want. We can bleep it out. Oh. Fudge. There you go. <laughs> Morning, everyone. I'm on my way to the Moose Cafe, driving through what I would call... Ice fog, maybe? It's pretty darn tootin' cold right now. And there's this kind of creepy, dense fog blanketing the valleys up here. And one of the neat things is, um, I have no schedule. I live at home by schedule. And right now, I'm kind of free to do what I want. So I got up and I'm driving over to this Moose Cafe. And I'm going to go try and get myself a breakfast and maybe walk around downtown a bit before I head back to the show. The show was loads of fun yesterday. Not only did I get to meet a whole bunch of new people and, and watch people tie flies and find out about the fishery down here, which you probably learned I know nothing about, uh, I got to sit in on Tom Rosenbauer's talk, which was awesome. I've met him a handful of times and uh, I, I listened to the podcast so sitting down and watching him talk in person was, was pretty cool it's like I've known him for years just from hearing his voice on the radio and George Daniels talk was, was pretty hilarious that guy is, uh, is very cool uh, I, I still don't know what a goat rope is, uh, I'm going to have to ask him this morning, we're definitely going to sit down today and hopefully chat record a little bit and then set up a long time podcast to do over Skype down the road. I'm also amazed right now that when Google Maps says I'll be there in eight minutes, like literally I'm going to be to this place in eight minutes. I don't know what traffic's like the rest of the time here, but at 7.45 on a Saturday, it's pretty awesome. And now I'm in this brilliant sunlight and it's blinding. So, I'd ask you what you want me to get for today's podcast interviews, but you're not going to hear it. So, I have to think for myself the questions and, and uh, we'll kind of just make it up as we go. I'm going over the French Broad, which I just think is the most hilarious river name around here. French Broad. I want to do this broad from France. Alright, I'm going to go get myself some breakfast. Hopefully today I'm not going to buy a whole bunch of tying material. There's some, some pretty loaded stores. I did end up getting a bunch of tails from Will Hersniak. And that's about all I've got for y'all for now. So uh, until next time, talk to y'all in a couple hours. For you though, it's going to seem like two seconds. Yeah, so I just had an amazing breakfast at the Moose Cafe. There are all sorts of options for uh, ordering. I went with the option of all you could eat because that included breakfast potatoes, grits, biscuits, two types of gravy, bacon, and scrambled eggs. All you could eat. And when you wanted more of one of those, they would bring it out. So um, I ate until I couldn't eat much more, which wasn't all that much. Had a cup of coffee and got the wife a jar of local blackberry jam. 
That was the Moose Cafe. It was awesome. Uh, the parking lot is quite full right now. People are walking in, so I'm gonna go and check out the show. All right, so our first interview today is gonna be with Shonda with Casting for Carolinas, or Casting Carolinas. Yes. Cast so tell, tell us about your organization. Casting Carolinas is a nonprofit organization based here in North and South Carolina, and we provide free retreats for women who are cancer survivors. And these women can be in any stage of cancer. Uh, they can have just been diagnosed or they can have been a uh, survivor for over 10 years. But we take them for an all-expense-paid trip for the weekend, and we teach them to fly fish, and we do support and education. Fantastic. And uh, it looks like Wanda Taylor's a big supporter, I guess? She is. She has been uh, one of our good supporters for quite a while. She uh, comes and helps us with the retreats from time to time. She's great. All right. So what else goes on? Just fishing? Or it looks like you guys have some, some free time going on the slideshow, maybe before and after the fishing events? So uh, usually the first day the ladies are there, uh, they are doing some counseling and just getting to know each other. The second day of the retreat, they are paired with one of our professional guides, and each lady gets a professional guide, and they go out and they fish on their own for at least two hours. In addition to our retreats, we also have fundraising events, which we enjoy. We um, have had a uh, team uh, fly fishing tournament for the past few years. You can be a professional, you can be an amateur, you can come and fish on the beautiful Davidson River and uh, raise money and have a lot of fun for our cancer survivors. Mostly trout fishing? It is all fly fishing, trout fishing, Fantastic. yes. Where can we find you on social media, websites, etc.? So we are online and also with Facebook, castingcarolinas.com. Uh, and also like us on Facebook, same thing, Casting Carolinas. You can get all the information there. Fantastic. Well, good work, and hopefully you'll get lots of uh, people stopping by today. Thank you. We hope so. All right, so we're uh, with Mike Schmidt. You don't have your baseball card up this year. I do not. I do not. I left that left that back at home. And where is home for you now? I uh, moved down to New Smyrna Beach in Florida. How's Florida life? It's been pretty hot. <laughs> You know, it's been, it's it's really nice. It's very enjoyable um, to be able to get up and go run on the beach and look at palm trees while I tie flies. Um, I'm glad it's not July and August anymore, though. <laughs> it was really hot, really, really hot every day. So You're going to miss the Ohio snows? No, not at all. Not at all. Ohio snow was terrible because it was bad snow. It wasn't good for anything. There generally wasn't enough to do anything in. I mean, you couldn't even build snow forts with it because it was usually crappy snow. So I do miss some of the snow, like the really big snows that were farther up north, but I can travel for those if I want to. <laughs> and you're still cranking flies away full-time? Yeah, yeah, that's all I'm doing now. Get up in the morning, get in a run and breakfast and start tying flies and tie until, you know, late, late night usually, you know, through the day, get some sports on TV and keep rapping until I fall asleep. Are these mostly commercial for shops, or are these for individuals? The, the volume that I do for shops is enough that I, I tie more flies for shops than I do retail orders. But, you know, I, I, would, I would love to pick up more of the retail stuff. Um, you know, the shops are really just to fill in time between retail orders. Uh, so it's, it's good bread and butter. It gets the name out there. It gets flies out there on the water, and people see them. Um, but I really like tying flies for clients um, that 
get them out on the water, catch huge fish, and then come back and and get more and tell me the stories and send me the pictures and are just super excited about fishing big stuff after they get out, you know, the, with the first order. So I, I really like tying stuff for those kind of people. Have you always been tying big flies, or when did that sort of change over for you? Yeah, I've always tied big stuff. I really have tied a large, large majority of stuff that's been bigger in the last 10 years. Um, I always tied big stuff before that, but even then, big stuff still wasn't all that big. You know, this, now in the last t- 10 years or so, most of the stuff I'm tying is over four inches. Um, Mostly because is technology sort of caught up with you now to be able to tie stuff. Like the materials are getting bigger. They're allowing you for like the shanks, the hooks, the vice. I tie a lot of, um, I tie with a lot of natural materials still. So the materials themselves aren't really all that different. Um, but the perception of people and anglers has changed enough. You know, I always had some big flies in the box for myself. But most people look at a eight-inch fly and say, "There's no way you're going to fish that for trout." Um, now that perception's changed, and people kind of understand that, yeah, that'll that'll work in in some areas. And um, so there's there's more of an appetite out there from people to look for those big flies. So you, you there's there's more of a reason to tie them now. You know, bigger. Most of the time before that. You know, you'd tie single hook flies that were three inches or so. That was a big fly for most people. And um, it's definitely progressed, not from a material standpoint, but just from an attitude um, that they can physically fish bigger. Now, rods, um, the rod technology and the line technology has probably affected it more, though, than the materials. I mean, there's more rods out now um, and more lines, probably more lines than we need, really. Um, but the technology in the lines has come along to where you can turn over these big flies uh, much, much easier. Um, so it's allowing people to cast stuff that they probably couldn't have cast with the technology that was around, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. And what rods are you using these days? Um, I use nothing but the clutch stuff. Um, I use the Archipelago. Uh, I mostly use the 7 weight and the 9 weight for my stuff. So it's 250-grain full-sinking line, a 350-grain full-sinking line is what loads those up for me. Um, the, the React series, the 250 and the 350, are one-piece rods from them that are just amazing. Um, so the, you know, I haven't used any of sticks other than those uh, for streamer fishing for the last few years now. They, they, suit, they suit what I do perfectly. Yeah. So for tying material, how, like, how often do you got to put an order in with the, the, the catalogs to restock your stuff? Um, two or three times a month, I'm ordering boxes of materials from Hairline. Um, so, you know, every 10 days or so, I end up putting an order in for materials. Um, and that's going to change. Uh, you know, I'm still ordering, like, I'm doing this part-time, and I'm burning through materials fast enough now that I just need to, uh project manage myself to realize that I can order the larger quantities and, and use them up and not have them sit there forever. So for now, it's every 10 days, but I'm, I want to get it down to where I'm ordering once a month, get a big box of stuff. And I just ordered a, a giant pile of hooks that's going to cover me all the way through and uh, through into the end of the spring. So, Which hooks are you using? Um, most of the hooks I'm using are, are Gamakatsu. Um, I use a lot of B10S and a lot of SP11s for most of my streamer work. Um, I do also use some of the hooks from Partridge. Um, 
you know, they Mark's done a great job at Partridge, and, and getting the distribution into the U.S. has made it a hook that's viable for us to use now. Um, a few years ago, they had a lot of distribution issues, so if I wanted to use Partridge hooks, there's a good chance I couldn't get them. Um, but now I'm starting to use more of them. So really, I mean, the gummies are probably 90% of what I use or more. Uh, but the partridge hooks are starting to sneak in, especially with the barbless technology they've got. They've got some great barbless hooks. So when I've got customers that, that request that I tie their stuff on barbless, I adjust the patterns a little bit because the hooks aren't exactly the same, but they've got a few hooks that are similar in shape. Um, so I adjust the pattern just a little bit so it swims the same and, and tie them on barbless if they ask. So that, in those, I have to use the, the partridge. Are you adapting your big flies to living in Florida for species down there? Yeah, I'm working on it. Um, it's a slow go. The attitude down there is the stuff we got works, so why are you tying, tying other stuff? <laughs> and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm fishing it myself when I get a chance to, and you know, the more I get out and I'm successful with it, you know, the more eyes will We'll start to see it, and then uh, maybe people will start to fish some of it. You know, the truth is, most of the stuff that, that gets eaten, um, you know, I live on Mosquito Lagoon, and most of the stuff that gets eaten in the lagoon is shrimp and crabs, so there's really not a reason to have bigger stuff there. Um, but when I head farther south, um, you know, you, you get into kudas and sharks and, and other offshore species that come in close and are accessible with the fly, that there's definitely a market there for larger flies. Um, it's just a matter of, of getting down there and fishing them myself and, and proving it to people. You know, they, they're not just going to swap off of something that they know works um, to something that's unproven you know, without a reason. So go get a bunch of pictures, and, and uh, I think attitudes will change eventually. So. Where can listeners purchase your flies? And where can they find you on social media? Um, well, the flies are all through the website, which is anglerschoiceflies.com. Um, I also have a, a Facebook page set up for Angler's Choice, uh, and uh, you know I post a lot of stuff to to Facebook and Instagram. Um, I'm on Instagram as well as Angler's Choice Flies. Um, so pretty much all the stuff that I do, the pictures I take of flies and fish and, and you know whatever else comes across my path, um, pops up on Instagram. Um, it's an easy place to catch all the stuff and see where I'm at and what I'm up to. They're impressive pictures. When you load up all those in one shot. It's impressive. Thanks, man. Yeah, I feel unaccomplished when I see that. Like, I didn't get anything done that day, and you did that. Well, those flies, I mean, when, when I do those those piles, it's, it's really a twofold thing. I mean, it's cool to see all those, all those flies together, um, but it also helps me um, for customers. If a customer calls back and says, hey, I want to, what was that that I ordered? I can go back to the picture of their order and... Uh, and see what they ordered exactly, what I sent them. Um, and also it helps for shipping purposes. You know, I never have to worry about flies showing up and someone calling me. You know, it covers me because if someone calls me and says, hey, you didn't include this fly or this set, um, I just go back and look at the picture that was taken as they were being boxed and, and I can tell exactly what was sent to people. So it helps me um, and it's cool to see them all just yeah. gobs of flies. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, we'll let you get back to your uh, creation here. Cool. Thanks, man. Right on. <laughs> so we are at Fontana Guides. Where y'all based out of? We are based out of the far western North Carolina corner, uh, Bryson City, Cherokee, Silva, Dillsboro area. We stay within about a 30-mile radius of Bryson City. Okay. What do you guys mainly guide for and fish for? 
Well, we guide for everything. We do a lot of stuff on Fontana Lake. That's a mixed species lake, smallmouth, largemouth, white bass, spotted bass, trout, walleye, steelhead. Uh, we guide on all the tributaries. Some of the big ones are the Tuckasegee River, the Little Tennessee River. We got in the National Park, the Cherokee area, Raven Fork. So we, we cover a lot and we chase trout on the fly, spin and tackle. So a little bit of everything. And because you guys seem to be like the young crowd, you definitely know how to shoot some, some film out there. Are these GoPro or are these iPhone? These are all GoPro videos we're looking at. Uh, we carry the latest GoPro with us on most of our guided trips, get a lot of cool underwater content and uh, really capture the scenery and the beauty of the fish in our area. Oh, that's a big Helgram right there. Yeah. We were seeing how they move underwater so yeah, we can... they Yep. They make awful pets because they eat everything else in your tank. <laughs> Fish love them, though. Oh, yeah. Have you seen the critter mite over there? I got one right got, here. Yeah, the critter mite. That's a, we had one hanging That's in the a mouth filthy looking... Mouth. Yeah. That, that's pretty popular up where we are. Um, so what's the seasonality of your guiding? Well, we go year-round. Um, some of our favorite times to fish are in the spring and the fall. Um, you can really target pretty much anything you want to in the spring, from trout to bass to walleye. We have a walleye run in the spring, white bass run on Fontana, uh, but we go year-round. Oh, i got to pause for a second here. All right, I was just checking something. All right, so uh, particular flies that are local to your area that you guys use? Uh, well, Thomas and Justin tie a lot of flies. They have a lot of custom patterns that they tie, um, but really all the basics. We do a lot of stripping of streamers and woolly boogers, uh, dry flies. Uh, a lot of caddis, uh, blue-wing olive, so. How's that boat going through there? That's our pontoon boat going through Fontana. We're at the head of the Nantahala River where it dumps in. Uh, it's it's a great platform to fish out of, really stable. Pontoon boat on that water looks awesome. That bass is huge. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, really stable, comfortable, and then fully rigged, trolling motor, electronics, live well. So. so you guys are having a lot of fun. A lot of fun, man. Yeah. A lot of fun. How many years have you been at the show? Well, this is our first year doing this show. It's the first time here. We've done other ones further west towards us in our home water, but first time here in Asheville. I see a tying kit down there. When are you going to be tying this weekend? Thomas. It's going to create some pretty nasty streamers here shortly. Nice. All right, and uh, some pretty good chili lime venison jerky. <laughs> I can still, that spice is still hitting me. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> chili lime jerky. Are you going to start selling that out of your... Uh, <laughs> you guys got to sell that. Oh, that's good. Service. Yeah, they, they, they buy it, I'll sell it. <laughs> and I chili. don't need it all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it don't last long. All right, what else do I need to know about your guiding service? Well, you can check us out online at www.fontanaguides.com. Uh, we do all the social media outlets, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Vimeo, Twitter. So check us out there. It's our kind of our live feed. You can see what we're doing, what we're catching. We're always posting pics and videos. Uh, check us out. If you're looking to go chase some fish, we'd love to have you. That's some nice-looking water. Yeah, we're, we're blessed with a prolific fishery here, and it, it makes our jobs easy. we got a lot of great fish to, to put our clients on. Fantastic. All right, well, thanks for the time. I'll check back when the streamers are getting made. Thanks, man. Take care. I've got Jim with me, and he's from the uh, NCTU Trout Unlimited. How's it going? I'm State Council Chair for Trout Unlimited, North Carolina. So what is, what is your... Uh, I guess trout population like. How are they doing? Are they in environmental troubles? What, what's your? What are you guys working on to preserve for trout? Well, North Carolina this past year did come up with an issue with whirling disease and gill lice, 
and two small populations of trout in North Carolina. Uh, as of right now, there are isolated populations. Uh, the Wildlife Resources Commission and Trout Unlimited work closely together. Uh, we have an annual meeting that we have called a cooperators meeting where we discuss issues uh, pertinent to both, both entities. Uh, right now, we're just working and trying to get information. Uh, they're doing tissue samples to find out where these uh, whirling disease came from and how, how it's affecting the population. I haven't heard whirling disease in a long time. Yeah, uh, this is our first case in North Carolina ever. Uh, Virginia had a case a couple years ago, they think. So it apparently is coming down from there. Uh, there is whirling disease in the east. Uh, sometimes it affects the population as a tragic disease and you lose the whole population for out. Sometimes it's not. It's just that the trout are resistant to it. And uh, we're trying to find out what type of whirling disease we have and how it's going to affect our fishery. And for TU, is it mostly a, a western? Are there central Carolina? The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, Almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Chapters where trout are stocked is mostly going to be mountainous. Uh, mostly mountainous. Is, uh, where our main population of members is in North Carolina is the mountain region. Uh, we do have 5,600 members statewide. We have 14 chapters. Uh, we are, our chapters do cover the whole state. We have one chapter in Raleigh that goes basically from Interstate 40 to the coast. And it's, it's our largest chapter with over 900 members. Uh, Trout Unlimited in uh, the Charlotte area is big. It's an 850-member uh, club there. Uh, we have some in the mountains that are as small as 80 and 90 members because it's just a smaller geographic area. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to trout fish in North Carolina, you're going to do it in the mountains. All right. What's your favorite place to uh, fish for trout if you're able to say? Uh, you can make up a name. And... No, no, I don't mind. I, I like the delayed harvest stations that North Carolina's come up with. Uh, I don't have a particular favorite. I like to fish all the delayed harvest. Uh, Basically, we get to play with the fish and put them back. Yeah. And then I see you have uh, some wading boots here. You want to tell us about that program? Maybe some of the listeners out there, that's you people's listening, can get involved? Uh, yeah. Uh, we have a school in Robbinsville, North Carolina. It's a middle school. We have a teacher that has a fly fishing club. And he contacted us about getting some equipment. Uh, we've donated seven rods, six reels, uh, two or three backpacks, uh, about 15 fly boxes with flies in them. And uh, he informed me that he needs wading boots because all his students are wading in tennis shoes. And at this fly fishing show in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, we have uh, been able to obtain 10 pairs of fly fishing boots uh, that have been donated to us that we're going to give to the school. Uh, and we're working with Chota Boots uh, to see if we can pick up some uh, of their returns. All right. And if uh, listeners out there have some boots they want to, might be upgrading for Christmas and want to donate, where can they send them? Uh, they can send them to me. My home number is, uh, address is 759 Shea, S-H-E-A Street in Concord, C-O-N-C-O-R-D, North Carolina, zip code 
2825. Fantastic. And where can we find out about your TU chapters online? Uh, nctu.org is our website. Uh, and that's got all our chapters listed, our presence, our contact information for every chapter, uh, their regional location, what areas they cover, what geographic areas they cover. Um, and it has uh, updates on the whirling disease and the gill lice and all that stuff that's going on in North Carolina. Well, fantastic. Keep up the good work. Thank you much. So I'm with uh, John Zimmerman here at Casting for Hope. Do you want to tell us about your organization? Sure. We work with women and families following a diagnosis of ovarian or gynecological cancer, and we have three service wings. The first is, um, if you're familiar with Casting for Recovery or Project Healing Waters, we have a retreat program for women and their caregivers in September when they come up and learn to fly fish over a three-day weekend and hear from medical experts on um, the latest in gynecological cancer diagnosis and treatment and um, also from experts on survivorship and nutrition and, of course, fly fishing. And um, so our retreat is one opportunity for service that we do. And our fundraisers go into our financial assistance wing. So when families have a, a budget constraint that they can't meet the, the needs of their budgets, we go in and help pay for that. So whether that's assisting with mortgage payments or gas cards so that they can get to treatments or pharmacy cards so they can take the supplements and prescription medicines that they're supposed to take. Um, any of the gap needs that come up when a family has a budgetary crisis because of fighting a gynecological cancer. And we've just opened the Casting for Hope Retreat Center, which is in Bakersville, North Carolina, on um, about two miles of private water, and we've got lodging for about 10 people. So. Where you, where's home base for you guys? Uh, we have offices in Morganton and Asheville. We got some raffles and some fly tying going on here. Yep. Just uh, we've got a younger um, one of our patient sons is really into fly tying. He's coming in a little bit later to do some tying, and I'm just messing around. How many pairs of scissors do you have? Well, this is a um, an assortment of them, but probably all together at home, I've got about thirty. <laughs> wow. All right. And I see a lot of wire and stuff. So what, what mostly are you going to be tying up here? Um, I've been doing a, um, a lot of little Frenchies for this time of year and small pheasant tails. You see a Frenchie? Right. So the Frenchie is a, it's basically a pheasant tail uh, without the legs coming off of it and without a, um, either a soft tackle or anything like that coming off the top. So that um, it's a competition style fly. So there's none of the stuff that bulks the fly up at the top to keep it from sinking. So it's straight down in the water really quickly. It got the name Frenchie because um, there was this kid at the International World Championships a number of years ago who was waxing the competition. And um, he came back in from his fifth session, and everybody was, so maybe he'll tell us what he's using now. And everybody was expecting him to open up this box of these gorgeous, immaculate flies that he just waxed the competition with. And um, it was just pheasant tails with a, a hot spot collar at the top. And the, the kid was French. And so the fly became known as the Frenchie. Fantastic. That thing would clean up on steelhead, by the way. Absolutely. The hot pink, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. All right. 
Uh, where can we find you online, social media, anything else? Um, www.castingforhope.org and our social media handles are Casting for Hope. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Okay, nice to meet you. All right, so we're at the Healing Waters booth. You guys are no strangers to Healing Waters. Rick, you want to tell us about the projects here in North Carolina? Well, we've got a lot going on. We're based out of the uh, Charles George VA Center in Asheville. Um, because we've got great fishing in West North Carolina, we also team with Cherokee and the Eastern Band because of their waters. So our programs include working with Kevin Howell and Davidson River Outfitters over there on the Davidson River and some of his waters, the Cherokee waters on the Ravens Fork, um, and some of the waters in McDowell County um, with the Fish and Wildlife Service. And we do a lot of fly tying, uh, semi-weekly, Joni, is that right? About every two weeks. And we get out and go fishing when the weather permits, at least once a quarter. Fantastic. How many individuals are signed up? Well, we, well what's our roster, Joni? Probably 20. Huh? About 15 active folks that are fly tying and casting. And a lot of those folks, like Ed here, also uh, help out with the, um, the teaching and helping new members do things. Um, and we've, we've got probably 20 guides and volunteers that are always willing to help out as we need them. So if somebody in this area wants to get involved that hasn't stopped by today, how can they donate their time with you? Um, there's a couple different ways. Um, we have a Facebook page, so if you type in um, Project Healing Waters, Asheville Chapter, you can find our Facebook page. Um, we have a website, uh, projecthealingwaters.org, that if you navigate through it, you can get to the local um, Asheville Chapter contact info, and they can always contact um, me or Joni Ledford. And if you're doing your Christmas shopping on Amazon, pick Healing Waters for Amazon Smile. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you a lot very much. Yeah. All right. We are at Rock On Charters. Captain Josh, tell us about your fishery. Uh, well, we uh, serve southwestern Virginia in the North Carolina high country, uh, primarily guiding for muskies on the uh, new in the James River. And... Uh, Stripers on a 20,000-acre freshwater impoundment uh, in, in the southwestern portion of the state. It's called Smith Mountain Lake. Uh, it's been a uh, striper fishing destination since the late 60s. Um, those are the, the main places where we operate. Uh, of course, at the show, right now, we're really focusing primarily on filling our musky season up for the winter. Uh, it's, right now, it's, it's musky time. It's musky season. The river's got a lot of water in them, and it's... Uh, it's a good time to be out there. It's, it's prime time. So are muskie basically, I mean, I, I know little to nothing. Are they a cold water fish or they're just more active in the winter? Well, they're, they're certainly more active in the winter here because our summer temperatures, you know, really slow them down. Uh, matter of fact, we don't even we don't even fish for them in the summertime. It's a, it's a spring and, and fall fishery, and they are opportunistic feeders in the wintertime they're, they're really packing it on eating soft raid fish primarily suckers uh, or any other compromised game fish but uh, of course small ducks and, and whatnot but it's a it's a, a super exciting uh, fishery and um, it's gaining popularity every year it's a big part of our business big part of what we do now if someone wants to go catch a muskie would you recommend they hire a guide or just go out by themselves? Because I imagine I haven't hired a guide for musking. I've gone out a couple of times and I'm clueless. The leader alone is is got me just baffled. Uh, I would definitely hire a guide, especially if you're trying to 
you know, build up your knowledge on a particular fishery. It's going to, it's going to offer you a lot of insight and definitely cut, you know, the learning curve. Um, you know, knowing what grain line for, you know, a particular body of water, you know, where some guys may be fishing 500 on some bodies of water, you know, it, it may be more of a 350, 400, you know, type, type river. Um, you know, leaders, it's, and it, that's the thing is it's musky, musky fishing with flies is extremely simple. It's not, you know, it, you're basically level leader fishing. You, you know, it's nothing fancy. I, our setup every time is about an eight inch, uh, 40 pound mono or fluorocarbon shock leader. And then 40 pound tieable wire is, is what we use. No clips. Uh, you know, a, a simple loop knot straight to the fly with with forty pound. Um, uh, we actually use that Power Flex, the Rio Power Flex. That's that's all you need in a leader, and you don't want a very long leader because it just makes it harder to do a figure eight. You know, which is fifty percent of your cast when you're musky fishing. So, uh, you know, the shortest leader that you can get by with is, in my opinion, is the best. And it looks like you guys are fans of the Mystic rods. Uh, we do some work with Mystic. Um, I, I use them a lot on my boat uh, for you know our boat rods for customers. Um, Dennis Klein at Mystic, if, you know if you don't know him, uh, he's got a great product, great warranty, and uh, probably some of the best customer service that that I've seen. You know, in, in 30 years of, of uh, being a fly fisherman, uh, the service at Mystic is is exceptional, and you know that's uh, that's always important, especially in this line of work. So let's say someone does want to hire a guide for musky fishing this winter. Where should they go? What should they uh, look up on the internet? Rockoncharters.net. That's uh, we've got a, a real large internet presence, uh, an informative, interactive site um, discussing the rivers and the fisheries that we cover. And uh, you know they can give us a call. Um, you know it's one eight hundred one eight four four fish in Virginia, and uh, you can talk to one of the guides personally, and you know set up a trip that that is right for you in you know your area. So it's real easy. Fantastic. All right, guys, we'll have a good show. Thanks a lot. You too. This is mine for about three years. All right, so let, let, let's get the whole story. We're with the uh, Fly Fish Museum of the Southern Appalachians. So when did it start? Well, it opened this summer, this past summer, in Cherokee at the Chamber of Commerce building kind of a nice marriage for the two and um, it was kind of the uh, the birth part of it came from Alan which started working on it a good three years ago in the making and his travels across the east coast and some of the midwest areas finding landed him the best location right there in Cherokee it's a nice place I've gone through it several times and I'm a volunteer there and I still love reading the stories about how the flies were made, how some of the rods were made, what the old timers used for materials. But it's almost mind-boggling. What were some of the materials they used back then? Well, you got to think about um, you, what you and I might use uh, as a hackle. They use, but they had chickens, and that's what they used—the best they could have. You didn't buy it special. They used a lot of wool. They used a lot of lamb's wool. They used a lot of sheep wool, and uh, mostly cotton threading, bulky threads—something that we don't use in nowadays. And the colors were dynamic, I'd have to say, because they dyed them. And um, I think probably one of the neatest things there is seeing it all in one area. It's always a nice little story to see. And uh, I encourage anybody and everybody to come, children and, and, and adults. Where do the, uh, the items come from that are on display? Most of them are, are been donated to us. Here comes Sasquatch. Most of them have been donated to us. And 
obviously not from Sasquatch, but right. Well, I might have to get a picture of Reba. You, you got to get him. Reba and the Squatch. Who else? Who else would it be? Reba, smile. Yay! Oh, she put her foot up. You see that? She's a little. All right. Let me have you. Let me have you talk with Bob. He's he's got another play on this. Bob is the activities director okay. there at the uh, museum. He's recording us. Uh, Bob Nanny, I'm the activities coordinator for the museum. I've been helping since uh, about a year ago, and uh, it's my job to line up help to put on activities such as fly tying, rod building, things of that nature. And uh, it's it's been a it's been a real challenge and a real pleasure to to help with the museum, and I look forward to it the years to come. And you also there's a boat that's to the museum that I saw in the magazine that Bo Beasley wrote. That was donated. It's like a Mackenzie-style boat for the East Coast. It is. Uh, that boat came to us. Uh, we got that boat about a year ago, right before we opened. And uh, the funds to purchase the boat came from uh, TVA. And we have uh, we have it set up in the museum. It's a, a beautiful boat. Uh, we invite everyone to uh, stop by and visit with us and see the boat. We have a video that goes with it. So let's say somebody's listening and they've got an old item that might be useful to put on display, maybe a hand-me-down or family heirloom, how would they get it to you guys? They would need to contact myself or Alan Baker at the museum, and we would be glad to take it in either as a donation or as a loaner. Uh, if they want to retain ownership of the item, then that's fine, and we'd be glad to display it for a certain amount of time. And any, at any point in time they need it back, and they, they're welcome to it. All of the items that come into the museum are numbered, cataloged, and photographed with the owner's name. So we won't mix up who owns what. But we'd love to have them. Fantastic. And a website? We have a website. Uh, it's the Fly Fishing Museum of the Southern Appalachians.com. Uh, it's a long one. Yep. All right. Yep. Spell check, hopefully, in the, the Google search bar there. Have a good show, and, and thanks for giving me your time. Thank you. Appreciate you Thanks for giving us some attention. We appreciate it. All right, so I'm with George Daniel, finally. Uh, how's your show going? The yeah, show's doing great. Good turnout today, this Saturday. And we're selling your new book, The Strip Set? Correct. And uh, I sat in on your talk yesterday. There's one thing I, I didn't understand. Goat rope. Goat rope is just, uh, it's a political term, but the guys up in Michigan that I fish with, when they talk about goat rope, they're talking about like heavy pound tests. So 15, 20 pound tests, something that you would actually want to almost like literally chain around the goat and right. kind of hold it, a goat in position is kind of what we're using with streamers. All right. Just heavy diameter tippets. We don't need to use, you know, 5X tippet when we're throwing streamers. How much time did it take to get this book from like writing on napkins to actual publishing? Uh, it was a little over three years. Yeah, in the process, but uh, just basically pe- taking a piece of it about an hour every day in the morning before the family woke up and just kind of working on it for about an hour. And then, uh, yeah, about three years in the process, just traveling all over the lower 48, fishing with guides all over the country, trying to get their feel for what they, how they like to approach their waters and trying to put the, all their ideas un- under one, one roof. So all your big revelations are all in the book. We're not going to get any now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just uh, it's cool. I mean, everyone, you know, the, the cool thing about fly fishing and streamer fishing in particular is that there's no really no wrong way of doing it. I've seen so many different approaches from guys all over the country, and then everyone has got their own approach, and they all are useful in the right situations. And it's just uh, up to the angler to decide when when that particular approach is applicable to the water that they're fishing. 
you talked a lot about streamer size. We got Schmidt stuff over here. Mm-hmm. When was sort of the transition from like sculpins and muddler minnows and those kind of traditional trout flies to just pure meat that people are chucking today? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Kelly Gallup definitely revolutionized, but I think guys also like Blaine Chocolate more recently um, with some of the game-changing technologies and, and basically the ability to build larger flies, but flies that are that have less weight and a lot easier to cast. I would probably say probably within the last three, four years, you're, you're seeing that big transition from flies that were kind of like the sculpin bunnies now to like these large flies, but flies that are large enough still where guys can throw them with a 7-8 weight with ease. So I think within the last couple of years, you've been seeing that big transformation. And you also, you, so you got the, uh, the fly craft boat? I do. How fun is that? It's an amazing watercraft. I'm, I'm a minimalist. Um, I kind of like to have one boat I can do everything with. I also own a Subaru, not a big truck. So what's great about that boat is, you know, it's about 130 pounds wet with loaded. Uh, I can stick it on top of my Subaru. I can take it anywhere on the highway. I can load it. Um, unlike having like a regular boat where you have to have a, a boat access, with this raft, you can load it at any point. So, and it's great. They have a third seat option now coming out. So as long as you have, like, two kids or, like, two grown adults with one kid, you can stick three people on there uh, fairly comfortable. It's just a, a great all-around watercraft. When they had that at Somerset last year, showing the Blue Water movies and yeah. then throwing it, like, down cliffs and stuff, it, I mean, it looks indestructible. You can literally take it anywhere. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's one of the things. I mean, they, they, when they sold me the boat, they said, George, just beat the hell out of it. You know, try to, try to abuse it as much as you can. And for the last five years, five months, I've been just... I've been raking it over the coals, uh, doing everything I can. It's just been great. Uh, it's stood the test of time. Haven't had one puncture yet. I wear cleats in the boat uh, with it. Uh, no issues whatsoever. Ben Schreiber, uh, that owns the company, he also wears cleats because that was one of my concerns. He said I've been wearing cleats in my boat for you know years and haven't had an issue. So it's a it's about as damn near indestructible of a boat as you'll come across from a raft standpoint. Any plans for an outboard? Uh, personally, yeah, uh, I'm looking at the towies to be honest with you. Okay, I'm uh, I, I wouldn't mind getting a hard bottom boat at some point. The towies, uh, for the waters that I fish back home, I think would be uh, a good application. The rowboat one, the drift boat, or the, the black long one with the push pole? I'm thinking about like the the Calouse, but more like the river master, like their actual skiff, right? Uh, you can put the out, you know, you can put the motor on, uh, but just. A little more uh, applicable to the, wa- the smaller waters that I fish. And then also uh, being able to put it onto a lake, because uh, I do like lake fishing quite a bit. Having that, that motor option is uh, not, not a bad one to have. Less rowing, especially if your kids are rowing. Exactly. They don't look like they got the biggest arms yet. Ex- not yet, not. So we're going to work on that. Uh, build, but until they build up that muscle, uh, I'll probably be looking at the, the motor. Get them a rowing machine for the basement for Christmas? <laughs> eh, might be a good option. Thank you for that. Yeah. And you also have the convenience of living on a trout stream. Yeah, absolutely. I, I live on my favorite trout stream, so it's it's nice. You know, some people say that it ruins it for them, but it's great. I grew up on a, on a river five feet from my house, and it, it was one of my, I think the, the environment created the angler, having that available to me, kind of like made me want to go outside the entire time, and we're doing the same thing with our kids. We, you know, Both my wife and I grew up around water, uh, and we wanted our kids to have that same option where they could go out, throw stones, fish, or whatever, and uh, so far, it's worked out great for us. How often do you want to fish versus just kind of sit and watch bugs and watch bugs get sucked under? 
it's a little bit of a, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag. Uh, sometimes I'm just into the zone. Most of the time, I'm 80%. I'm, I'm all out. Uh, but there are a few times where you get more into those reflective moods. And, um, you know, I, I see enough because I'm guiding as well. So I'm, I'm guiding between 100 uh, and 120 days a year. Uh, so I get to see, uh, I get to, you know, notice a lot of things as well. But usually when I'm fishing, I'm, uh, I'm pretty well uh, involved with the process. Are there any particular trout that are like a pet to you that you won't fish for? Our friends had Walter, a brown trout, and okay. out in Colorado, and he just sat under a willow tree. He, I was not allowed to fish for him. Okay, no, 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 no pets. No, no, they're all they're all targets. Fair game. Yeah. And is this your first year down here at the NC show? Uh, this is actually my, this is my second year. I was down here last year, but uh, it's a great show. You know, it's a great crowd. I love the Asheville area. Anytime I can get down to this part. Uh, the Carolinas uh, I'm game for. I'm getting a whole education at this. Show. I had no idea about all this fishing out here. Oh, they've got so much. I mean, they've got the trout, which I'm, but, you know, you're not too far from the coast. You've got the warm water. You've got the muskie. So, you know, really, in my opinion, this is probably one of the, you know, probably one of the top two or three destinations in the East Coast uh, for the fly fisher. Any plans for uh, another book? Yeah, I signed a contract to do a third book project, so it's going to be uh, a little bit about everything, you know, kind of a all around the central trout tactics. Um, there's a lot on nymphing I didn't discuss in my first book, same thing with streamers, there's a lot I haven't discussed, but I'd like to focus a lot on the dry fly and the wet fly uh, in this next book. Fantastic. Where can we find you on Instagram and Anywhere else online? Yeah, so I have a Facebook account. It's just George Daniel. And then on Instagram, on I believe I'm GD Flyfish uh, on Instagram. So, yeah, take a look. All right. We're going to do a lengthy one during the doldrums of winter one night. So much appreciated for your time, and hopefully I get to hear your talk again later. All right. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. Thank you. Another question for you, George. When you're at the Lancaster and Somerset shows, you get in the casting pond. Why is that? I see you roll up your, your pants and actually get in the water. It's just fun just to get in the water. Kind of just, I don't know, be a little more hands-on, I guess, with the crowd. So Better anchor for roll casting? Definitely a better anchor for roll casting. So, and, and besides, I just like the water. So There you go. All right. That was one of my other questions I had. <clears throat> Let's catch up with Martin. So we've been doing these for, I don't know, like five years now almost. We're at the North Carolina show. How's it going? It's going great, thanks. Um... The show started yesterday, um, today is Saturday, we've got a great crowd. Um, this is a great regional show, you know, there's pretty much uh, every fly shop within a couple of hundred miles and uh, fly tires, Trout Unlimited are here, we've got the casting pond, it's really a great show. Um, it's one of the things, I think this is about the seventh year now, and uh, we get a lot of value out of it um, with with the pretty much the... Fishing community, fly fishing community in Western North Carolina. Are you introducing a lot of people to the fish skulls and helmets that wouldn't normally tie with them? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's um, you know, although we're a pretty established company, it never surprises me how many uh, n- new people have never heard of us or our products. So it's it's a great opportunity to um, to introduce people to fish skull and, and nymphed. And you've got uh, the young tire behind you who's out tying everyone here. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, Trad Little. Uh, he's uh, 12 years old, and he's a phenomenal tire. Um, uh, he's definitely one of the future up-and-coming stars. Yeah. And then you guys are going to move to a new facility. Yeah, we're actually busy. Uh, we're busy building our own own building um, in Brevard, North Carolina. 
Um, we expect it to be ready in, in April next year. Fantastic. All right. Well, uh, we'll see you at the winter shows coming up. Ab absolutely. We'll be at uh, we'll be at Somerset uh, in January and at Winston Salem in February. Fantastic. You got to hit up the uh, Foothills Brewing Pub down there. I will be there. That place. Like, I want to go to the show just to eat there again. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I'll, right. I'll definitely try that one out. If people forget where to get their Flyman products from, where can they buy them online? Well, uh, if you go to our website, which is flymenfishingcompany.com, um, you can buy products directly online, or you can look at our dealer locator, and our dealer locator has hundreds of dealers uh, all over the country, um, and you can locate a, a local dealer for you. What if you're out of the country? Uh, you'll have to, you can buy online. Uh, well, yes, uh, we got international dealers on the locator as well. Awesome. Good for you. All right. Well, enjoy the show. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Rob. Nice seeing you. Yeah. So we're at Davidson River Outfitters with Jeb Hall. You want to introduce yourself? Hey, what's up? My name's Jeb Hall. I'm one of the lead guides at Davidson River Outfitters in Brevard, North Carolina. And is the Davidson River down there? The Davidson River is down there. It comes right out of Pisgah National Forest and flows into the French Broad. Right in the town of Brevard. Okay. And what kind of fish do you guys guide for? We guide for, down there on the Davidson, we're fishing for mostly rainbows and browns. There are brook trout in the headwaters, but we guide all over western North Carolina and east Tennessee. So we're doing everything from backcountry brook trout to smallmouth floats to musky floats in the wintertime. Very nice. So you guys have a full year-round schedule? Uh, year-round year round fishing. So we'll guide all through the winter as long as it doesn't get super-duper cold. And you've recently written a book uh it came out about four years ago that's the second edition to a book that i wrote when i was in my late 20s actually and it's a guidebook guidebook okay yeah that's a guidebook i, I wrote about um four years ago that one came out it's a second edition to a guidebook i wrote when i was in my late 20s and they're in their full color really nice photos it's like a coffee table book but it also has full color maps directions within the within tenths of a mile it's got a really big appendix of hatch guides and and if you want to and if you want to like fish rivers where there's camping it lists all the rivers where there's nice camping and there's lists all the rivers by floats it lists all the rivers by regulation so if you only want to fish wild trout water you can you can find the area of the state that you're wanting to fish and it lists all the streams that are wild trout streams that book basically answers all the questions i've asked people about this whole area all weekend pretty much it's all in there yeah. so when people buy their ticket they should, the ticket, how much does the book retail for? It's uh, $39.95. So $39.95 plus $15. Everybody should pay that when they walk through the door and get one of those. Sure. We'll yeah. talk to Reba. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, if you want to know where to go, that's the that's kind of the definitive book. Not to toot my own horn, but it's got just about everything you'd want to fish around this area. And that also, it's not just trout. That also includes bass and, and musky fisheries, too. And you've probably developed some pretty specific local flies for around here? Um, yeah, you know, there are some specific local flies, but you can get away with, a lot of our wild trout especially, you can get away with patterns from from all over the country, you know? So we fish a lot of this stuff, like the little, like the comp flies and stuff from Colorado, all the fast water nymph fishing out yep. there. Those work really well here, too, in all the pocket water. So. What about any, like, the old-time traditional patterns at the people are fishing with back like last century back yeah. in the day yeah we still fish you know teleco nymphs and um kind of all those old bills providers and all those old school flies yeller hammers those things still work pretty good 
but we're still using some of those older flaws. I only know about the yellow hammer from podcasting with Rebo over the last couple of years. Otherwise, I'd never heard of that fly. Traditionally, it was made with a with a feathers from a, I think it's a flicker. <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. My so. parents hate their flickers. If you want to come and shoot one at my parents' house <laughs> illegally, because I guess you can't shoot songbirds. Yeah, they're, well, they're endangered here. Okay. So, um, so they no longer use that feather anymore. What they do is they dye white doves yellow. Okay. And that's what makes the, that's what they use for the yellow hammer feathers. Interesting. See, this is the kind of information I want from down here. Is I never would have known that if yeah. I haven't sat down with you. And uh, five weights, three weights, what do you guys, I guess different rods for different, different mountains. Yeah, and, different rods for different situations. I mean, if you have a nine foot four or five weight, you can fish everything around here. Um, a lot of the backcountry stuff, an eight and a half, two or three weight is a really good rod for it. But the extra length, get a little reach. So it's easier to dap in pockets and you guys got these fluorocarbon around here? Are these fish scared? Yeah, I think they are. I use fluorocarbon for every for dry flies, nymphs, all the time, all the way around. We're talking about different rods for different situations. So um, you basically have to have like a full quiver of rods for around here. No, you can. You, if you had a nine foot five weight, you could fish any trout stream, and you could also fish almost every smallmouth fishing situation. What about in the summer? Is it hot up here? Do you guys need waders? A lot of wet wading? No, a lot of wet wading in the summertime. Um, and it does get, on the, especially on the lower elevation streams, the water can get too warm to fish in a dry year. Okay. So you have to stay up high during those years. Have you ever seen a hellbender? All the time. All the time? All the time. We see them in the Davidson quite a bit. Oh, my god! Especially up in the National Forest. See, I might come down just to, I mean, forget the trout. I've never seen a hellbender, so... They're cool little critters. I don't want to pick one up. Right. They bite flies, they bite, too. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. They eat, they eat crayfish. That's what they eat. So. Crazy. So, so what kind of hatches do you guys have around here? Typical, like, blueing olives? You get blueing olives and a lot of little dark stones in the winter and a lot of kind of what we call micro, like, little small caddis that bounce okay. around. A lot of midges. Then in the spring, we get um, quills in April, and then we get March browns. We have a pretty good light Hendrickson hatch in the evenings in May. We get good Cahills. And for about a week, we'll get really good eastern green drakes. Nice. So you can fish coffin flies right at dark. That's fun. And are the streams pretty pretty packed? I mean, are, are they beaten down? You know, some of them can be really crowded, like the main section of the Davidson on a weekend or some of our delayed harvest streams on a weekend. But if you, if you fish this time of year, like from December through March, and you get out during the week you're going to have lots of water to yourself but if you want to hike and fish backcountry streams you can almost always fish big sections of river without seeing another person so if you go do blue lining you're going to get away from crowds yeah. and find your own spot yeah you're definitely going to get away from some folks especially if you're willing to walk a good hour before you start fishing and those fish probably haven't seen a fly and maybe ever um some of them maybe never but some of them have seen them but so long ago they don't remember them What else can we ask? Uh, so you guys, full service shop? Full service shop, guide service. We do. Uh, I do fly tying instruction down there. We have a variety of clinics that we teach. We sell rods, reels, fly tying materials, you name it, for fishing. We got it at the shop. What's y'all's website for the shop? It's davidsonflyfishing.com. Yeah. Do you have your own site or anything? 
you just work through the store? Um, I have my own photography site, the Western North Carolina Fly Guide. Dot com. I think that's what. No, name. the WNCFlyGuide.com. I haven't right. looked at it or updated it in so long. So. Any uh, social media for your the fly shop? Yeah, we have a Facebook page. If you look for Davidson River Outfitters okay. on Facebook, you'll find us there. Very cool. Well, you answered pretty much all the questions I got. Anything else you want to talk about? Not really. All come right. come fish in North Carolina if you haven't ever thought about checking it out. we got a lot to offer, and, and you can fish all winter. So if you're up north, extend your season all the way out. Yeah. And one more time, what's the name of your book? The name of my book is The Southern Appalachian Fly Guide. Is it available online or just through the store? It's available on Amazon. It's there available online from Brushy Mountain Publishing. And it's available in fly shops around western North Carolina, East Tennessee, and Georgia. It's it's like the Bible for fish down That's here. what they say. Very cool. Well, congrats on doing that. Thanks. Awesome. All right. Many thanks. Thank you. All right. We're at Hilltop Fly Tires, and you are? Glover McMurray. And what do the Hilltop Tires do? We teach fly tying to all ages, young and old. Um, we've started in uh, 2001, and we've taught a lot of people to tie flies. We, uh, when we come to these shows like this, we tie the simple, the simple things to, to help beginners. Mm-hmm. So it looks like you guys are doing the mop fly? Yeah. Do a, You're doing the mop fly? Yeah, he's doing this here, and we, I don't know who created the mop fly, but it's a very effective fly, a lot of colors, had a lot of success from it. Um, we helped the, uh, what's that, uh, Casting Carolinas, and we helped the uh, Casting for Hope. We make contributions to them once or twice a year. We have no fees of any kind. Uh, All the monies we get is voluntarily given to us. I'm noticing the vices on this end, so I'm at the the learner side. Those are some pretty nice vices. My fishing club, we have like the dodgy $35 vice from uh, like Cabela's. Well, Glover's accumulated vices. We've been doing this, uh, as he said, since 2001, so we've been going at it for 13, 14 years, and Glover's accumulated a, a nice collection of vices over that period of time that we were able to share with some of the people when they come here, and we share them with the folks that come and visit it with us when we have our club meetings as well. So yeah, how many, they are very nice. How many individuals in your club? We have probably about uh, 28 or 30 uh, folks that are on our regular email list. Uh, over the years, I guess we've had maybe uh, twice as many that have come and lived in the area, tied with us, and moved away. So we've probably had about 80 or 90 people in it over that 14 years we've been doing this. But right now we have about 28 or 30 people that are regulars, regular members. About how many people came through your booth this weekend so far? It's uh, 2 o'clock now. 50, probably 50, 60 students, you might say. Fantastic. We always need more tires. Yep. All right. We had everybody set up this weekend on uh, two, two-and-a-half-hour shifts so we could rotate through. I guess uh, altogether this weekend we probably had about uh, 13, 14 people in the booth uh, at one time or another time, four at a time in our booth, yeah. Fantastic. 
what what's the uh, next event for you guys our next event will probably be uh, just to, to have uh, our fly time meetings on Thursday nights uh, we typically take an annual trip over to Tennessee and fish and we'll probably do that in May uh, we may do some fly time with Project Healing Waters uh, if we're asked. Uh, we'll, we might have some meetings with them as well. But right now, there's nothing on the calendar between now and May. Well, if you come up to D.C. March 19, we're doing our Healing Waters Tie-A-Thon with my club at the, the local brewery in the brewing room. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's about uh, 10 steps to the, t- the closest tap. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you tie some unusual flies as that event goes on. I pierced my fingers a lot last year. <laughs> yeah, we st- I started off at the Marine Corps Museum with one tie along, and then I went up to the brewery. Very different locations, but still fantastic. So where can people find you all online? We're not online, but uh, we, you, they can find us uh, at Glover's Shop, Hilltop uh, Auto Repair in uh, Flat Rock, and uh, they find us here at shows. And a lot of our uh, referrals come from other fly shops. When they talk to people that want to learn how to fly, uh, tie flies, they'll, they'll send them our way. Super. Okay. Yeah, we'll take a picture of that. And uh, Okay, thanks. And uh, I wouldn't, you know... I plan on interviewing everyone here, but Reba spoke highly of you when I podcasted with her a couple weeks ago, so made sure I wanted to come by and sit down and talk with you guys. We work for Healing Waters, too. We helped Healing Waters in the... Casting for Carolina. Casting for, well, I mentioned that, Casting for Carolina. But we worked through the military considerably. Fantastic. Yeah. Right. Well, you guys have a great rest of the day, and uh, are you going to go to the Pig Farm Inc. event tonight? I don't think so. I think we're pretty tired after being here for uh, two, days. two days. We're probably just going to go home and put our feet up. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to do wheels <laughs> up and, and head north myself. So, right. Have a safe trip home. Thanks, guys. Sasquatch, how's your uh, your show going so far? <laughs> I like it. Where are you headed next? <laughs> Like that booth, they got some good time to turn. Right. Did you get some barbecue out front? Nice. All right. Well, uh, have a good show, and if I don't see you guys tonight, uh, and, and enjoy the uh, the pig farm. Squatch, what are you tying? So you have to add just one material. Which one is it? I don't know if that's from his chin or not. Oh my gosh. All right, now we're recording. I'm with Ron, and we're going to talk about the San Ron worm. Yeah, this is Ron Gaddy with Jonathan Creek School of Fly Fishing. I invented the uh, San Ron worm about five years ago, and it will outfish everything in your fly box over time. It don't work every time. But it'll work most of the time, and over time, it'll it'll just about fish, outfish everything in your fly box. So I, I, it's YouTube where I saw the tutorial, and uh, how many views do you think you have on there? I think there's uh, about four thousand views on YouTube right now for the beadhead. I've got about two or three different videos, but for the beadhead sandworm worm, there's approximately four thousand views right now. Wow! And fish species you've caught so far on this? Too long to list. Uh, honestly, I fished uh, most these streams around the Smoky Mountains and been very successful catching the brown trout. 
the brook trout, the rainbow trout. I've caught wild fish. I've caught a lot of, of uh, hatchery fish. I've fished them in Montana on, on, on rivers like uh, the Ruby River, the Blackfoot, uh, uh, and, and a lot of other uh, West Fork of the Bitterroot. And a lot of other streams out in uh, Montana, and they work great out there too. Fantastic. Where can we find you online, in person, etc.? If you look at my, uh, if you search on Google, uh, Jonathan Creek Fly Fishing, Jonathan Creek School of Fly Fishing, you'll find my website. There's a lot of helpful information on there about fishing uh, the Great Smoky Mountains and surrounding areas. Haywood County is where I live. I uh, live right on Jonathan Creek. I teach a fly fishing school, fly tying school, uh, private classes only. But there's a lot of good information on my website about uh, the area. I have has suggested fly patterns to use, and uh, it's it's worth a, it's worth a look. There's some good information on there. Fantastic. And you're, are you also here with the Trout Magazine? I'm here supporting Southern Trout, uh, Don Kirk. Uh, it's his, uh, his, his magazine that he's had for probably four or five years. Uh, it's a free online magazine, uh, and he uh, likes to have it free for consumers. He makes a little bit of money on ads uh, to support the magazine, but it's a great magazine. He's got some great uh, writers uh, that, you know, to work for him, and uh, it's a good magazine. I recommend everybody take a look at it, Southern Trout Magazine, Southern Trout Online. Fantastic. Thanks for your time. Uh, thank you so much. So we're outside. Let's talk uh, <laughs> Let's talk musky. How's the uh, the musky industry? Man, it's just growing by leaps and bounds, you know, just compared to what it was six years ago with the fly rod. The uh, just seems like more and more people doing it. Everywhere I go, there seems like to be a, uh, a hardcore group of musky anglers, and I just think that's awesome. I love that it's picking up, picking up speed, and, and people are... Uh, seeing it for what it was you know a lot of people didn't didn't realize that one of our best freshwater game fish could be chased with a fly rod even six seven eight years ago and now it seems like like i said everywhere you go there's a hardcore group of guys doing it so it's that's pretty neat so what sort of technologies made it easier like the hooks the shanks the bigger materials the rods well we you know there's just about every major fly rod company now has a musky specific fly rod which is great um so whatever whatever company you're into has got a got a rod for you and just you know shorter shorter uh shorter heads on sinking lines and stuff like that has made it a lot easier you know we've you know there's been guys pioneering new materials and stuff like that like blaine chocolate with the body tubing and the shanks and, and everything else so it just uh it's a lot more accessible and there's a lot less guesswork in it now you know there's there's stuff that's just musky specific and people people know that so it's a lot less hunting for things and and it's just kind of laid out there for you Right on. And where can uh, people hire you to go fishing? You know, me personally, I'm, I'm up in northern Wisconsin guiding muskies and down in Tennessee in the wintertime. So that's kind of my range. You know, you got Blaine in Virginia. You got uh, Eric Gryowski in Michigan. So wherever you're at, if you want to do lakes and rivers, there's there's plenty of awesome guys out there to do it and, and, to, and to show you the way. For guides, it's still a pretty niche thing to guide for, to have it that dialed in. Yeah, you know, there's, there's, I would say, you know, half a dozen really hardcore musky guides that, that would be the, the ones that you would want to go with, um, you know, depending on your area and the country. So it's, uh, you know, do your research a little bit. Don't just, don't just go out with somebody that says they're a musky guide. Make sure that they've been doing it for a little while and, and actually have the experience and the time on the water before you, uh, before you go out there and shell out your hard-earned bucks to go chase the musky. Right on. Website, social media for you? 
Uh, Chris Willen on Facebook, chriswillen.com on, on, on the onlines. And, uh, you know, just find me on Instagram at CWGuide. Which rods are you throwing these flies with? Uh, I'm throwing the uh, Clutch One Piece Tannic. I uh, helped Lee Janik, the owner of the company, design that rod. It's about a year and a half to from start to finish, and now it's 100% finished. Um, we didn't we didn't cut any corners or anything, and before we released it to the public, it was uh, made sure it was 100% dialed in, and it's uh, it's my personal favorite. Um, so yeah, it's a great stick. Fantastic. All right. Well, have a good rest of the show. Thanks, man. Right on. Reba, let's finish off uh, the podcast here. How has the show been for you? It's been wonderful. Uh, we got a lot of a lot of people in today, a lot of new faces, a lot of old faces. Um, vendors were very happy with sales, and everyone was very excited about the deals that they got. Yeah. Yeah, and the information that they got. I learned a buttload, and that's an actual term. Buttload? You can look up a buttload. It's an actual, mm-hmm. like mathematical amount mm-hmm. is um, that like a shit ton i think so Ooh. um so you're gonna chill out and then start planning year number eight you know we shall see i think this might be my last year doing this now that i'm back in montana Did you miss it out there i miss montana but i'm gonna miss this community a whole lot more Pretty cool out here. Your breakfast recommendation was spot on. I still have not eaten since 8 o'clock this morning. <laughs> That's the moose. I've got a biscuit for the way home. Look, these planes look like they're World War II. I think they might be. Like, there's <laughs> definitely, like... Yeah, there might be some kind of like freedom flyover thing going on today. Yeah, we—that's for the expo. It's entertainment. Yes, that's how we roll. I'm kind of a big deal, so I make stuff happen. So I'm gonna skip tonight. That's Pig Farm Inc. Yes. And I think if I go there, nothing good will happen. Well, nothing good will happen, but I am hosting a challenge this year, and it's gonna be a little uh, cleaner than last year. But since I live in Montana now, we're gonna do a foam bug challenge. So who can tie the biggest Chernobyl, the obese Chernobyl? And is the secret? ingredient the sasquatch fur uh yes excellent and um leg wrestling uh no leg wrestling it's going to be sumo wrestling this year okay we have some sumo suits super duper all right well i'm freezing so i'm going to go um hop in my car and go buy beer and roll out all right thanks rob thanks for having me down here thank you back on the road again uh somewhere outside of durham north carolina the way gps sent me home is not the way i came down which i'm fine with the way home was all mountains burn a little bit more petrol or as my roommate in college would say i'm using up too much gasoline and this way is the same way i came to and from the winston-salem show a couple years ago so i am familiar with it but not for the first two hours so i left the show finished up with Reba and sure enough there was some kind of World War II airplanes or replica planes flying over three took off right as I was at the traffic light facing the airport it was pretty awesome and they flew off over into the mountains and made a left bank and disappeared I went looking for this mythical beer down here again when I went into the gas station yesterday this guy pulled out a bomber or 22 ounce bottle of Cold Mountain Winter Ale, which is made by Highland Brewing Company. And I said, Ooh, that looks good. I'll take one of those. He goes, ha, ha, ha. That was the last one. 
I made it my mission to find it while I was down here. So I followed Jeb's advice. Jeb from Donaldson River Outfitters. Davidson River Outfitters. Davidson. He said, go left. It's it's the town, quote-unquote town of like Hill something, Millsboro something. And uh, there's a grocery store and another one of those gas stations. So you could probably find him there. And he said, also, you got to eat it. it Rockies or Roxby's or uh, Ricky's or somebody's chicken. I was like, all right, chicken, whatever, man. Like, I've had some good chicken. If I see this place, whatever. I'm not going out of my way to try and find some chicken joint. So I went into the, the gas station, not the gas station. I went into the grocery store, looked around. I got uh, a four-pack of the Tall Boys that Dave Heiss was drinking. So I saw a bunch of other people drinking them, and I figured that's probably a good sign. And then I got a bomber of French Broad Brewing Company. And apparently there's also an English Broad down here. And I was like, all right, I'm going back to the gas station. And I, I went, doubled back, filled up my tank, went inside. And she's like, yeah, there's no chance you're getting a bomber of that anywhere. So I made a big sigh and I got back off the road and following the directions, that's when I'm realizing I'm going back a different way. And I'm about five miles outside of town when I see this Roxy's, Rocky's Chicken, and then I see the sign Hot Chicken. Well, I've known about Nashville Hot Chicken, so uh, I pulled a pretty fast uh, U-turn and pulled in there and walked in and said, hey, y'all do carryout? She's like, yes. So I looked at the menu. And I'm looking over things, there's chicken fingers, there's half chicken, there's quarters, thighs, drums, and then I go to the sandwiches. And there's the uh, fried chicken BLT or something. It's, it's basically fried chicken, and there's romaine on some kind of butter toast with pimento cheese and some other stuff. And I say, how is that? And the girl's like, dude, seriously? If you've never been here, that's what you want to get. I was like, all right. And they got tons of beer on tap, full bar. And it's just like a walk-up counter. You go seat yourself. She says, what do you want for your side? And I looked down. I was like, whoa, I'm getting mac and cheese again. So I guess my mac and cheese says my side. And she says, what heat do you want your chicken? And we go through it. And I, I pick medium. And I wait about five minutes. And, and there's a, a, a mannequin with a giant chicken head on it. And I pulled out some Boy Meets World trivia to see if she had ever seen the episode where Corey electrocutes himself and thinks he goes back into time to the 50s. And Topanga's costume for him to, to get out of town is a giant chicken head. And she never seen the show. So uh, I, I left it with that. And then my chicken whore comes up. She's like, enjoy. And I go out to the parking lot open it up and I say that's an interesting looking sandwich and I take a bite and I said OMG <laughs> if I'm going to list the top 10 sandwiches I've ever had this thing might be up there with I mean you name it this thing tops just about any chicken sandwich I have had this is up there it might have been better than boxcar Betty's so, yeah, dude, this was some serious fried chicken. So I drove down the street just eating this thing, thinking if I'm going to the electric chair tomorrow, I'm going to order another one of these. If you're within driving distance of Asheville, 
and you haven't decided on going for the fishing, you're gonna wanna go for this chicken sandwich. You gotta trust me on that. And the mac and cheese was insanely good too. So now I'm 1.5 miles outside Durham. So I'm on the road, it has me getting home at 10.30. I just filled up sheets. It's been a pretty boring drive so far. There was some mistletoe in the trees you can see along the, the road because the leaves have fallen. You can see their photosynthetic leaves up there because they're parasites and whatnot. All right, let's get on this exit. I want to go north to Durham, not south to Raleigh. So hopefully you all enjoyed the podcast. Some of you might decide that it's definitely worth your trip. If you're within, you know, a full day, half day drive of Asheville, it's something you really should check out. One of the more intimate shows. It's very small. Uh, I don't know how many booths were there, but in two days, I mean, there were still people I hadn't talked to with the mic walking around in two days. Pretty much got everybody I wanted to interview, including the Sasquatch. And we got some great donations for TPFR. So special shout out to um, the San Ron Worm and to Martin at Flyman Fishing Company. Martin's been uh, a great friend of the podcast pretty much since its inception. So I'm quite pleased to have him on as always. Um, I haven't decided yet. You, you may or may not have heard some profanity. Uh, we may or may not keep that at this moment. I'll decide some point before I send all this to Jason. Jason, hopefully this is going to be an easy one for you to cut and slice. There's about 14 different files. So you can say it down here. I definitely got an education on Western North Carolina fly fishing. The fact that hellbenders, Cryptobranchus alleghaniensis, are so common that all the guides have seen them regularly. Makes me want to come down just to knock off seen a hellbender on my organismal bucket list. I don't have like a huge list of animals I've always wanted to see, but a hellbender's one of them, and I might have to get bitten by one just to add to the uh, list of animals that have bitten me throughout history. There's a huge amount of trout fishing out there. There's definitely musky and some large and smallmouth fishing. I'm gonna say it was about 95% trout fishing. I did not go to the large, other than Clutch, I didn't get to them at ICAST. I skipped Sage, Reddington, Rio. Uh, I skipped Orvis. I mean, I'm, I'm working part-time there, so I see that stuff every day. I did get to play with the new Orvis Hydros Reel, and it is absolutely beautiful. Come on, dude, you need to speed up. You're going 60 in the hammer lane. Uh, so yeah, I passed up those. I passed up Choda. I passed up TFO. Uh, just kind of make it all about the guides, the outfitters, the small businesses down there. I'm very happy to finally met, spoke with George Daniel. His analytical mind when it comes to fly fishing is honestly like no one else's. Watching Trad tie flies is, it's absolutely brilliant. That kid, his, his mind is on a different level. His dad is looking at him and asking questions and he's, you know, he's the most polite child I have ever met and uh, he looks at his dad with this kind of like duh dad you know his dad's like what are you doing with that what is that and, and Trad's figured it out all his mind and like I said two years ago he, he's got these like uh, I'm not going to say hamster wheels he's got like cogs and 
like watch parts, I imagine, just moving through his head when he's time flies and, and looking at things and breaking them apart. Got to hang out with Mike Schmidt a little bit too, just kind of one-on-one, -on -one, and I learned how to tie the Marabou Deceiver, which really is not that hard. I'm gonna be working on that. I'm gonna make it look like bluegills for the Potomac for next year. And it was awesome hanging out with Reba. She was busy. Um, definitely glad I skipped tonight's event. I've got a long week ahead of me with guiding and work and family stuff. On Wednesday, we have Guys Night at Urban Angler where uh, Andrew Holt will be hosting an Edrington group, which is McAllen, Cuddy Sark, Highland Park. I can't remember his rum name and Snow Leopard Vodka where guys get to pick out what they want. And then on a different night, the wives, girlfriends, etc., will come in. Andrew's gonna mix them vodka drinks and they will do the purchasing of the stuff for the guys. I haven't decided yet if I'm going steelhead fishing in two weeks up in New York, uh, Ohio, but if I am, I will be buying some beads at Urban Angler from Richie and the lads because I am out of the beads I'd like for Jumbo Johns. Uh, huh, huh, huh. Ah, that's about it so I hope y'all enjoyed and um, if you have any questions about any of these people just you know contact them if you want to book trips we got all their websites we got all their social media um, I had a great time two days down here you know the worst part was I guess the speeding ticket I had some great food some great laughs I'm not going out partying tonight at this event I'm sure by now we have, you've all seen hashtag WNC Fly Expo shenanigans of what craziness happened tonight. So I'm looking forward to going home, getting into my warm bed, my warm shower, and uh, see the one thing I did miss down at the show was the motorized bathtub. They had to take it to another event, so I'm a little... A little sad I didn't get to drive around in a bathtub, but um, I'm going to sign off now, as my daughter says, two hands on steering wheel! And drive safe. Going to finish up with some Mike O'Mara Show podcasts. I'm currently on a Zach Matthews one about white bass in Arkansas. And then I'll catch up with uh, probably one more Rosenbauer podcast and I should be home. I don't think I need to eat again today. Just drink some water. And I'm honestly just going to daydream about that sandwich. You literally have no idea how good that sandwich was. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Next up may or may not be Ohio Steelhead. I'm going to start writing the Smallmouth Podcast. And before you know it, uh, Somerset. Please make sure to stop by and say hi at Somerset. And buy some flies. Help support the podcast. Take care. Jason, sorry this one may or may not have been a mess, but you do good work. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com.
Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.